Radio Shack. Okay. What? The 80s called. Welcome to the Coco Nation, the world's first live and interactive talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer and its hardware cousins. Everybody. Boy, time sure flies when you're working a problem. Right? <laughs> Goes into time warp. Um, okay. We are here. Uh, let's see. Who joined us today? Uh, oh, this is episode 315 of the Coco Nation show. Um, winging it. Also known as the Ken Waters show. <laughs> it's all Ken all day. <laughs> all right, let's see. Let's see who's joined the Ken on the panel today. We got first off, I need to flip this switch over here so that everyone's at the same view. All right, first up, we got Rick Uland. Morning, folks. We're here. All right, and next up, the star of the show, Ken Waters. Welcome to my show. <laughs> and you're Thanks truly sure. over here, button pusher. Uh, next up, we got Sloopy Malibu. Greetings, and hopefully this satisfies our Canadian content for the CBC. At least we got one. With the big shirt. Let's I'm see. the other way, Rick. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. And center square, we have Rick Adams. Hello, everybody. Yeah, let's hell, see. President Adams. <laughs> Next up, Ron Delvo. Hello, hello, and Sloopy. Yes, that was a cool um, link you sent me. Thank you. And let's see. Bob Emery, you're up next. Coconut Bob here. How is it going? Doing good. Uh, let's see. We got David Ladd. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. Please sit, stay a while, enjoy the show that's following. Well, of course and we are. We can't leave. Last, We're down. <laughs> and last but not least, Alan. Howdy, howdy, everyone. And How, how's the exile going? Uh, yeah, well, at least it's paradise. Yeah. Okay. And um, missing this week, we got Curtis and Marco. Blackers. Both, both had uh, more important things to do today. Reality interrupts. Yeah. yeah. In other words, we have no lives. Yeah. <laughs> well, we all got to take a break once in a while. <laughs> so. Oh, let's see. This First, is the life part. That work thing all week is the not life part. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Let's see. Uh, that was introductions. Uh, project updates. Do we have any acquisitions or project updates? Where's Brian Weasler when you need him? Anticipation um, of our short show. I started my print early, so this this week's case top is already is already at the infill of the first layer stage. So we'll see if it gets done before the show completes or not. It's it's going to be a race. It's pretty close this time. Doesn't look like it's moving. Are we taking oh, bets? I just took a picture before the show started. This oh, is where oh. we were at. This is the head start I gave it because it's going to be a short show. We got no boil. Now, so, Rick, you, you don't lean in too close, do you? With that beard you got. <laughs> I don't want to get melted to the stupid case. That would, that would be bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's a feature. What's them gray hairs in there? <laughs> hey, what, wasn't it you that was showing us that little pen that uh, melts the PLA? Yeah, it does. It, it it actually melts ABS as well, which is the plastic that every injected molded thing is made from. You so think you got enough filament there? Uh, temporarily. The other one's down because it's out of black. That's, that's a pretty big reel. Well, he's got a bigger one in the garage. It's the so, size so of the car. <laughs> it's it's big <laughs> so far. <laughs> I, I chew through them pretty quick with all the I do the connect projects and side projects. I, I go through some filament. That's why I have two printers because if one dies, I would be really hurting if I didn't have a backup. So well, at least you got fifty percent production. Yeah, the only reason why I even have filament is because I haven't been printing anything. Ooh, you may not have filament. You may have filament-looking brittle plastic. Yeah. I've never done that. Yeah, I thought I was going to get into 3D printing once. <laughs> I don't have the maturity or the patience for it. was a saga. Wait a oh, minute now. Don't you have to wait till the thing prints? I mean, you, you don't have patience to wait 12 hours for something to print? Well, I don't have patience to have it fail again and again and again. And Getting oh, a thing to print is... It's yeah. an art. It's not science well, yet. That's what super glue's for. Well, right. waiting for something to 3D print is kind of like waiting for something to download when we had dial-up. I mean... Hmm. It's about well, right. The printer Ooh. that Rick got, I remember this well because it was fairly well documented on the Discord. The printer that he got was apparently possessed by the devil and um, it, it had gone into full evil can we destroy Rick's mind mode long before the test rabbit print even finished? <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, I did do the rabbit. The rabbit was fine. Everything after that was not fine, but we probably don't have time to talk about, about all this right now. Don't worry. Replicators, replicators are coming. Just hang on. Right. They're just a little <laughs> slow so far. That's right. All right. Uh, I have one more um, to add to the, um, uh-huh. Product uh, reception area. <laughs> if you look at uh, Patrick Eulen's shirt for a second, see it? All right. Then all I have to say is I got uh, a product from these uh, retro rerun guys. And there it is right there in my screen. If you would switch to me. There you Come go. On, mouse. There we go. There it is. Oh, oh diagnostic cartridge. Nice. Yay. Nice. It does work. And it's, uh, and I think it's like that uh, printer. You have to wait for the uh, 
larger memory you have, the longer it takes to. <laughs> also, purveyors of good such memory. fine products as the oh, Cocoa STC backup source. It's just like that little bunny, they're <laughs> everywhere. That's right. <laughs> Doesn't everyone have one of these cartridges? <laughs> well, actually, uh, we do have the older version, don't we? Most all of that, I always wanted to know is that label vinyl or paper on there? It's paper. Oh, okay. Well, spill think, coffee on it, and it'll tell you right away. They sell these. I think it's vinyl. I'm trying to figure out how he got this label to stick here where it's at, because it should scrape off, and it doesn't. So I want to know what magic is going on here. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's it's paper. Has anyone oh, said not. where this came from? Like, you know, Canada it looks, or anything? It looks like plastic uh, paper. Retro Rewind, he's in uh, Toronto, Canada. So. There you go. He's a, a great source for uh, any of us Canadians to get stuff from because we don't have to pay the right. exuberant prices to bring anything across the border. So if I buy an SDC there, it costs more. But if you buy an SDC there, it costs less. Because of yeah. Cross well, like when I when I bought the Zipster Zones yeah. SDC before uh, Retro Rewind was selling them, I think it was worked out to like 85 Canadian dollars. And I think I had to pay $75 to get it across the border. Oh, Jesus. 75 what do they have a hundred percent markup pretty much on uh any electronics yeah and they you hose watch, you <laughs> if, if you watch yeah. the uh, ticker going across the screen you'll see the discount code on retrorewind.ca yes yeah, the, and the code, you, the code is w-e-f-a-x <laughs> <laughs> take a drink and just so you know in order to be able to use the code, it's all uppercase, and you have to have an account on the Retro Rewind sh uh, shop and be logged into it. Do you have to wear a purple shirt? Uh, no. And as uh, Commodore Chronicles is saying, uh, that uh, <laughs> the Retro Rewind will be at Boat Fest this year again for anybody that's going. Hmm. So... Yeah, you'll be have a table there for uh, fixing stuff if you bring it to if you're going to Boat Fest. Which just does, doesn't sound right, does it? I mean, you what Boat it, Fest? You know, <laughs> taking an electronic part to a Boat Fest. Yeah, it does well, anymore? It doesn't just doesn't. Not, I can't wait to see what kind of boats they have on uh, display there. I'm looking you, forward to that. I used uh, to El Dorado seventy four. I went to a, a boat fest once in uh, <laughs> Detroit at Cobo Hall, but didn't bring any electronics. This is a slightly different boat fest mm. put on by boat of car, John Scholler mm. of Amigos, who is a slightly different boat, no less. Yeah. yeah. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't go to boat fest. I, I can't go to boat fest because I only have a small car. Right, he put it in the trunk and take it away, and you'd never see it again. Yeah, if you had a 73 Chrysler like he has, you can put five people in the trunk. <laughs> oh, and Amigos is saying that everybody should be going to Boat Fest. So come on, guys. Put it I together. Would, get it together. They get there. When it you comes to the boats, Impala instead. You know, when it comes to boats, I'd rather a 68 Chrysler Newport. There you go. Actually, since uh, Amigos is in the chat, um, are there many tickets left for Boat Fest? Because there is a limited amount of seating at the show this year. 
And we'll and just then, wait for the delay to go through so that they can answer. Yeah, really. <laughs> Why aren't do they we answering? Have, or do we have to bring a, uh, buy some tickets to the fireman's ball? Oh, and speaking of boats and uh, 3D printing. Hey, Rick, be glad your rabbit came out. I tried to print that little boat that they make for 3D prints, and it was taken <laughs> over by pirates. <laughs> and yes, there are still tickets available. Um, that little boat sketchy is designed to be impossible to print. That's yeah, why it exists. Yeah, it's yeah, supposed yeah, it was taken it's, del it's deliberately made to be like, if you can print this thing out, you are hot. Exactly. You are good stuff. Which they called it sketchy, which I didn't get the real emphasis until later. It's not a sketch, it's sketchy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Aptly named, huh? And let's see, we have a late arrival, Nick Barentes. How you doing today? Hey, sorry about that. <laughs> oh, that's okay. Just woke up. All right. Well, we appreciate it. It's two in the afternoon. <laughs> Four o'clock in the morning. I was visiting a friend, and, and he said, uh, oh, I hear you're into 3D printing. Uh, such a deal I have for you. Here's my 3D printer that I am sick and tired of trying to get to work properly. I'll give it to you for free. And I said, oh, look at the time. <laughs> Rick, you could have sent it to me. <laughs> True. They, they they hold dust quite well. <laughs> nice stable surface to put things on. I printed this behind me. No? So I've also posted a link <laughs> in the chat if anybody is interested in Boat Fest tickets. So. Okay, cool. Any other project updates? Goodness, Sloopy, what is that? That is oh, a marble boss. run. That's pretty cool. Be pretty nice. a small marble though. Yeah, well, it was I printed it at quarter size first to make sure everything would go right before I actually printed it full size. Well, now you just need a little ball bearing to put in there. Right. The only problem is is that there is so much stringing inside the things mm -hmm. that ball bearings don't go down it too smoothly. They do go down it, but not too smoothly. Hmm. But my, uh, my, the best thing that I ever printed was I was actually able to print four of these. And it's like a little container. Come on, right. Sue. Get over there. Oh, nice. Whoa. Oh, what's that do? All printed at once, right? So it's just... Yes, it's all printed. Oh, that's crazy. That is neat. And it's, exactly... an alien egg. it's an egg from the Alien Show. Exactly right, what right. does that do? Well, I use it for holding ICs. Mm. That's but, dead dead parts. So you, you just wanted to make it cocoa related? Is that what you did? No, I just I use it for holding stuff. I print. I made four of them. Three of them actually work. Are they for sale? No. That's, I wish I had it close. I, I printed the stupidest thing I ever printed was a a strange device if you hold it at one angle it makes like a triangle yeah you know an optical illusion thing so mm -hmm. a, a device that requires a 3d printer to print so you can print it with a 2d printer so you can see the illusion is what it ended up being now yeah, does, does, any, 
Does anyone or has anyone printed out one of those uh, clocks that you can set out in the sun and it'll do a digital display? That's cool. Yeah, yeah those I'd are like really to see cool. One of those. Yeah, it's it's in the attic. I'll have it out next week. All right, I'm buying the attic so that it keeps good time that way. Well, it's in the shade though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Those are really cool, though. The numbers just kind of change for no apparent reason. I really like that. Yeah, I so, printed out a couple of those puzzle things where you have to like you have pieces that go together and make different things. Like I have one that's Taurus, and it's like a bunch of rings, and they pop apart, and it's like you've got all these rings all interconnected, and you're like, how do I get that back together? <laughs> you print a new one. <laughs> yeah, I also have a. a it's a pyramid. And it's just two pieces that the way they go together and and uh, they just like twist in a special way. And then all of a sudden it's like you have these two weird shapes and all of a sudden you have a pyramid. Huh. Uh, in the chat, 60 is asking uh, how PLA behaves for uh, static. How does it dissipate or hold static? I haven't had any problems with it with static. Well, it's, it's corn. And, <laughs> and Brian, yes, it, the, the uh, boat is called Benchy. <laughs> yeah, that <I>, bad ram. <laughs> here, let me see here. Oh yeah, I also built. Yeah, yeah. PLA doesn't doesn't charge up. It's it's like it's not petroleum. So I guess yeah, uh, that's what counts. Arm I built for my uh, camera or printed. So Rick, um, can you explain a little bit more about uh, static electricity in printers? Say what? Static well, electricity and printers. Did they have a problem with that in the early days or what? Well, like PVC will charge up. So you can you can make a charge by rubbing on PVC. But yeah. PLA doesn't seem to do that. So when you store stuff in a PLA box, it doesn't I don't think you're endangering anything, is what I think. So so you uh, have you thought about like printing a capacitor of some kind or <laughs> <laughs> we we need precision. The, the, the printers aren't precise. They're they're good enough to make a box, but like they're so rough that I don't have to make an attachment system for my upper and lower case halves. I just make them the same size and they friction fit together and sort of <laughs> and they're stuck together. It's that imprecise, you know, so you ain't making anything. All right. Oh, that was a sidetrack. Right? Yeah. Hey, <laughs> Sorry. gotta get that part done while I'm here to watch it. Welcome to 3D Print Talk. Yeah. Any other uh, acquisitions or updates? I guess not. No, but I sure would like new stuff. Right? Uh, is it true that the uh, Cocoa Pie is, not, is no longer going to be um, a 3B item anymore? No, um, they're working on doing the 64-bit stuff. There, you can see some of the progress yeah. in the Discord channel. But uh, as far as I know, no one said anything about discontinuing the three or three B. It's just that right now, <clears throat> whatever recent changes were made to Main have made compiling it on for the three B uh, a little bit more problematic. I know Ron was working on it. So are you hinting that like it might be a Raspberry Pi 4 only thing? 
in the future, I guess. Well, the oh, okay. three also supports the 64-bit mode. I run mine in, in 64-bit mode. So uh, it's more of a just figuring out how to get all the Cocoa Pie build stuff to work with the 64-bit version of the Pi 3 stuff, which he hasn't been supporting. He's been doing 64-bit for the Pi 4 only and the Pi 3 in 32-bit. But he's looking at stepping the Pi 3 up to the 64-bit to simplify the build process. But it's tricky, so he's still working on it. Won't you have to have a cryogenic cooler on the three B if you if you run it in sixty four? <laughs> <laughs> if by cryogenic cooler you mean little one powered right off the PIO, GPIO ports, yeah, yeah, I recommend that anyway. We ought to get that little lightning strike for uh, running it too long with a uh, cocoa pie. <laughs> I, I actually found I forgot I had bought this stupid thing. Check it out. Here's the four with its cooler. Oh, you get by. I found this unassuming box sitting in my. Oh, yeah, I did buy that, didn't I? Yeah, they so I made it sell it with the box, don't they? Right. And oh, and then I bought the requisite yeah. HDMI's mini mini cable the but, card. And then forgot I owned it through the whole pie crisis. I could have made oh. 100 bucks off this stupid thing. <laughs> Is the pie crisis over yet? I think so. I think sort of. they're, uh, they're pretty, starting to go back up in small quantities, and the prices are coming back to something that's not nosebleed astronomical. But you still sometimes end up getting stuck in a queue or a line. I guess meringue is expensive these days. Right. Right. But. Yeah, so Cocoa Pie, lots of updates are in progress. Um, you know, you can follow it along in the Cocoa Pie channel on the Discord or um, <clears throat> ping Ron Klein directly. Um, so, like it, uh, two years from now, let's say you didn't do any updates and you want to do an update. So, it would probably take as long as it takes to print out something with your printer. <laughs> yes. Uh, it would probably be better if you waited for two years. I would just take out the current SD card and put in a new blank one and just write a whole new image. There you go. <laughs> Start over again. But doesn't it, you know, when you do updates, it, it does take out the old one, doesn't it? And then put in the new one. Replace yeah, he it. does clean up the old stuff yeah. as well as updates. So that's really not necessary then, right? Well, but you're doing a whole lot of intermediate patching and replacing when you could just chuck the whole thing and start from the top and get a nice but clean copy. And I don't know who Chuck is, so I don't know. Well, yeah, chuck him then. <laughs> oh, <I'm> <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, that was that was Pi Nation. And now <laughs> <laughs> all right um if that's all the project updates well, what do you say we do our first commercial and then go on to the uh ken show to the ken water show groovy okay. ken show. we're trying so for i can get coffee hours. you're saying yes you'll have a couple Not minutes fun. for coffee okay i gotta hit this button then this button We'll be right back.
The Coco Nation show is an unscripted, live, and interactive broadcast. Anything can and will happen. The views and opinions expressed by members of the panel and the live audience are their own, and not necessarily those of the Coco Nation show, its sponsors, affiliates, or subsidiaries. Open minds are encouraged, and a sense of humor is recommended. Thank you for being a part of the Coco Nation. The Coco Nation Show would like to thank the following patrons. Alex Gayer, Brendan Donahue, Brian Walsh, Brian Weasler, Karen Ascom, Daddy Burrito, Diego BF109, Dinty's Hideaway, Don Barber, Eric Canales, Glenn Hewlett, Grant Leedy, John, Boat of Car Schaller, Henry Strickland, Justin Larson, Ken Reichard, Mike Rayburn, Patrick Euland, Paul Fiscarelli, Paul Shoemaker, R. Allen Murphy, Retro Tech Time, Rob Inman, Rocky Hill, Steve Batson, Terry Stege, Tom C., Tom Gunderson, Tom S., Tony C., and William Athing. Thank you so much, patrons. featuring Sloopy. <laughs> Welcome everybody to the Coco Nation Game On Challenge of the Week results video. This week we played Willie's Warehouse. We had a total of 13 participants. Yeah. We had Ron Delvo with a score of zero. Mr. Dave 6309, 18,100. Jim Rye, 26,300. Rich N, 31,100. Eight Bits in the Basement, 31,700. Sloopy Malibu, 38,000. Coconut Bob, 55,000. Canadian Retro Things, 62,600. Shenley, 78,700. L. Curtis Boyle, 111,000. Sabhead, 172,200. Buck Owens, 206,500. And the number one score this week was Tasman with 217,700. Thanks crazy. to everybody that played. We'll see you again next week. It's great being on top. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Pretty good scores there. But before I jump into that... I have to make a retraction about last week's stuff. Apparently, when I made up the score sheet last week for Shaft, I accidentally gave Shenley the Shaft. 
I wrote his score down as 4,260, where it was actually 14,260. So he should have actually been in first place. So I'm sorry. That is my retraction for last week's shaft game. I did not mean to give Shenley the shaft. 50 lashings of the wet noodle. Okay. He's got a spot (laughs) on our show now, though. Did you mail the refund check yet? It's in the mail. Right. That would be Canadian Post, right? We'll never... uh, yeah, yeah. So it'll be okay. a while. So it'll come postage due. <laughs> and Kenneth's tire dollars. <laughs> yes, but unlike UPS, it'll actually get there. <laughs> That's yeah, but... This is true. <laughs> okay, so for... Um, let's see. For... But what game did we play? Um... <laughs> <laughs> Willie's, Willie's warehouse. warehouse, right? <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, what am I looking for here? I know I've got a window here. There we go. Okay, hey. so Rainbow, February of eighty-five. We got a high score from Willie's Warehouse of ninety-three thousand seven hundred. So I would say this person definitely did not cheat since. Um, our high score this week uh, more than doubled that. So, are you saying some people cheat? Sometimes, when the scores are um, admitted here, submitted here, I think there's a good possibility that some you, people you cheated mean, on them. You mean like the Zaxxon just below it? Yeah, two million <laughs> on Zaxxon. <laughs> I think that might have been a difficult score to get. <laughs> It's funny that it's right there next to it. Yeah. But yeah, there's definitely often been some very suspect scores submitted for these games, but I would say this is definitely not one of them. And then October 84 of Rainbow did a review of Willie's Warehouse. Um, Basically said it's an exciting game from Intracolor and then went through and went very in-depth on how to play the game. And finally, near the end of the review, talked about how it's enjoyable and could become very habit-forming. Every five levels, you get um, a bonus screen with just uh, where you have to fill as many orders as possible within a time limit. Um, The three-page documentation is very complete. The game is well done. And... For some reason, this uh, reviewer could not obtain the intended screen colors. So uh, I don't know if they just didn't hit reset enough or what, but. So was um, this a uh, simulator for Amazon? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, it was it, getting people was ready preparing for people for when they uh, in our old age, we all have to get jobs with Amazon to pay the bills. So the graphics are nicely done, and it's a good game to add to your library. And then in the Hot Cocoa August of 84, um, basically saying that Intracolor never misses and Willie's Warehouse is no exception. It's an original and addicting game. Playing with the joystick is much more effective than the keyboard. The graphics and sound are superb. Very high playability rating and... The progression of the difficulty is at a really good pace and things never slow down enough to bore you. So this reviewer also liked this game. 
Hey, Ken, do they ever um, mention whether or not they use uh, Black Beauty or the other kind of uh, controller? Um, actually, in like one of those reviews, or... the person did say they played it with the, uh, the deluxe joystick, but very rarely do they mention that, unless there's a reason to have to have it. Sometimes they'll talk about you need the deluxe joystick for the self-centering. But uh, usually they don't mention, they just will mention whether it's a joystick or keyboard. So, did anybody else uh, play the game? Um, We did mention last week about the uh, getting a better score. A good trick is to, especially on the earlier levels, keep knocking that uh, little guy that's behind the girders off with a box. But uh, did anybody else have any tick trip? You know what I'm trying to say. Tips or tricks? Uh, yeah. Keep uh, pushing the guy off the back to make bigger points. Oh, you know, I think I've heard that one before. Yeah. Also, uh, uh, you may want to make sure that you uh, take a box and put it on the right side because the little things that go whoop, 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 whoop on your platform they'll get you caught over there and if you take the box you have fill an order you're going to be stuck with him over the side over over blocking you from getting back to more boxes and then you'll be uh in a very bad situation yeah always always keep a reserve box on the right so and ron how exactly do you score zero in this game there was not, it wasn't really very hard at all. Um, I put the game in, you know, I got it to come up. I played through it and it ended and then it looked like the very beginning again. And I thought, well, oh, there's my score then. I don't have to put my name in or anything. So I did the screen print, put it where it was supposed to go. And I made the top of the list and I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. All right. Although, Does any, oh. Top of the list is the bottom, but well, <laughs> failed to say no. that. Little things. <laughs> yeah. You're always the first person we mention when you play, Ron. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much. No charge at all. <laughs> so, does anybody else have uh, anything to say about Willie's Warehouse before we stick a fork in it? Oh. I didn't get to play this particular round, but one thing I really like about that particular game is the presentation. The the background, they put a lot of effort into giving you that cool 3D effect, which hey. really helps. Yeah. And, you know, they still got all their stuff moving over it and things like that. But, I mean, it, it takes what could have been a fairly uninteresting looking game and really puts it up there. Yeah, the, even though it's a static background, it's not a boring static background. Yeah. It's so much better than it has a right to look. It really is. Yeah. So I think they definitely, this is a game that they uh, put a lot of effort into making it look good. So one of those games where it looks good and the gameplay is good. Not like some other uh, systems that make games that really, really look good and have real crap, crap gameplay. Right. Not mentioning any names. Commodore. Um, <laughs> the um, 
there was a question in the Discord about when the numbers on the left get all the way to the bottom, that kills you. Yeah. And it's maybe that wasn't clear or anything like that. But yeah, that's if the if the conveyor belt gets an item all the way past, then you lose your guy, right? Mm-hmm. Because some some people were saying that it seemed like just the the level just ended randomly, randomly killing you. And yeah. I think mm-hmm. did did we have a uh, a reading of the instructions, Mark? I can't remember. Uh, no, no, well, no, we didn't. So. No, no, we did not. Oh, I don't Mark, think you were anyone slacking. ever found any instructions. Oh, okay. That, that we'll let you pass on this one then, Mark. Okay. So if there's no instructions, can we have a dramatic random reading? There you go. <laughs> Make up some instructions. Just read the instructions well, from the back of a toothpick. As long as we're <laughs> actually on the air. Well, there, yeah. That's that true. Requisite, right? Hey, that only happened once. Yeah. I them a circumstance. But yeah, I did. I think um, we did read in one of the review. I read in one of the reviews or something about how the uh, if the boxes go past, then it kills you. So it really is like Amazon. Then. Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> this is this actually. Uh, we should resell this game to Amazon as a, uh, <laughs> a training simulator. That one, and uh, there's this other one with a forklift and bombs. Oh yeah! If we could combine, <laughs> Willie's so, with the high bomb threat would be awesome. <laughs> Willie's Willie's bomb threat. The people that scored high on this game would work best at this Amazon. Yeah, this is uh, <coughs> this is our aptitude test for the Coco about what you should do with your life, and uh, I guess it's Tasman and Buck Owens should work at Amazon. And I should, my favorite uh, comment on was the person who said, yeah. "Look, if I'm out on, on a job and there's bombs around, I'm out of here, bro." <laughs> <laughs> now that's no dedication to your work. <laughs> they, they called it capitalism, the game. <laughs> <laughs> so, so if Daggerath is your game, what job count? What would the job counselor say you should be doing with your life? Um, a professional splunker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so I guess the other game that we uh, played uh, this week and we'll be playing next week is Newbert. And I also have an announcement to make about that that uh, was sent to me by Tasman. Apparently, it turns out that Newbert is actually a hacked version of Qubit. And Qubit is on the archive. And uh, basically, the difference is Qubit runs a little bit faster. So for the next week, uh, scores from either of those games, Nubert or Qubit, will be accepted. So, Sloopy, you were correct during the show on Thursday to call the game Qubit. I was wrong to correct you. I... Didn't know. I just know that I had heard both names. <laughs> well, both. I heard of both games. I didn't realize that they were the same thing. So, so that's why that's why the uh, title screen on Newbert is all screwed up because somebody hacked it. 
So this is episode 315. I'm sorry. Yeah, 315, Ken apologizes for everything. (laughs) I'm sorry Mr. Boyle isn't here. (laughs) Hey, he had it wrong on his site, too. He never mentioned about it being a hacked version of Qubit. Well, then. So have to get after him about that, too. And here he sits quietly. Think he'll watch the show? Oh, <laughs> he'll, he'll listen to it. I think probably. Yeah, we should probably so be. make fun I, of him as much I, as you want. I take everything back. <laughs> Why? Because it's the three fifteen. I I'm sorry. Show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, so basically, uh, Qubit or Newbert is. Qbert. So if you played Qbert, then you know how to play this game. I don't think there's much to be said about it. There's not really any kind of tips or tricks for that. If you know how to play Qbert, there you go. What's the best control setup for this one? Uh, I would say joystick. Um, I tried it with the keyboard, and it is very confusing. I'm not I never did figure out the keyboard, but I think Mark, you said you figure out keyboard on it. No, I was uh, using uh, one of those. Okay, for, for pretty fair success. Because you do actually, it works best if you can go into the diagonals on your joystick for jumping. Because, yeah, I got a unconventional question for the gamer section of our show. Um, if you had monochrome back in the day like some of us had either black and white or maybe a color one color Green. are there any games that uh, yeah are there any games that uh, you really couldn't play very well because of the uh if you were playing monochrome they wouldn't you know you wouldn't have you wouldn't be able to it's probably a tough question to ask them but you know if you're kind of if you're games, a gamer guy you might know ga- games that try to do artifacting would end up with off-centered stripes instead yeah. of colors and you could sort of see what was going on by the off-centered stripes when they were right on top of each other but then when they divided they were this they were just stripey things that you couldn't tell the blue from the green so to speak and all of my monochrome gaming was actually on the apple II, so and it actually worked out quite well on there because you just had different gradients of the green screen and um it was very. It was a lot clearer than the color, so it was easier to tell the difference between the different shades of the green as compared to different colors. So I never had any problems myself on the Apple, but I never tried a color computer on just black and white. So, so would that be a cool show sometime? <laughs> It'd be interesting. It's monochrome now, night. <laughs> would, would a monochrome television versus a monochrome monitor be easier or harder ah. to use because the blurring would give you grays instead of just stripes? And uh, would mm-hmm. the grays be different or would they be? Yeah, that would be an interesting thing to try. You're welcome. Thank you. Well, now <laughs> to try and find a couple of monochrome monitors that have uh, TVs. <laughs> Not TVs and monitors to uh, try this out on. Of similar quality, and yeah. Yeah, I have a VM1 or whatever it's called. You know, a a green. And I don't think it reproduces all the gradients. 
You're going to make me spend more money on trying to get a hold of these monitors, aren't you? Sure, sure you are. <laughs> there's a video in it. There's a, there's, it definitely sounds like there's a video in that. Yeah, next next week we're going to see Ken Waters with a, a green screen, his face all green. With his well, I wouldn't want to do the, the last ninja missing. on that. Of course, I wouldn't want to do the last ninja on anything. <laughs> I mean, you can you can um, go on the switcheroo and uh, just put it into RGB when it should be composite, composite, ah, composite, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, then you get the black and white anyway. So, so is it composite or is it composite? Uh, uh, depends on what part of Canada you live in. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Would you say it's not NTSB? That was compost dip. <laughs> That's just being environmental. Yeah, just Monday, wondering. Monday mornings, my wife does that. Where do they put the U in composite? <laughs> right. <laughs> now we're trying to spell it in our head. <laughs> Where would you put the M? <laughs> <laughs> The Canadian spelling of composite, 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 whatever you want to call it. Hmm. P O U. They put it up. T I N E. No, that's one of the words we didn't add a U to. <laughs> actually, no. Wait, it's actually the Americans that took the U's out of everything because we use the old Queen's English. So, you guys took the U's out of a lot of words. Like all the gangsters needed them back in the old days. See you guys. Isn't it the King's English now? I suppose it would be. Although, yeah, I guess, but when you're talking <laughs> only about it, takes, you're talking takes, about takes it for a some, no. <laughs> Right, right? There's no I in the word us. I don't know. I'm so confused. But okay, there is well, in the word win. Shall we move on to the we Thursday shall. night gameplay? <laughs> Too many holes in this one. <laughs> All right. Well, Sloopy, how would you like to talk about Thursday night's show? Since I wasn't there. Our show this week must be from India. Why do you say that? It's off the rails. Oh, <laughs> I can't Too hear Sloopy talking. Too soon. Oh, was he supposed to be talking? Sloopy's supposed to be talking. He looks like he's talking, but we've lost his voice. Well, that's because mm-hmm. I was trying to do everyone a favor and enjoy the show by putting my mute on. Ah. But if you want the mute off, I can do that too. Do the let's uh, let's have your segment with the mute off. Give it a shot. Didn't we have a Coco talk like that one time? <laughs> yes, but we have 30% uh, better viewership uh, uh, ratings with the uh, mute on. <laughs> <laughs> Which makes you wonder, why would they even be watching in the first place? Mm. But uh, yeah, this uh, this past Thursday, we had Willie's Warehouse and uh, Newbert, or Cubit, as some people call it. And... Uh, 
it was pretty popular. We had up to five people uh, playing. Um, we are hopefully getting more players to come. Why aren't you there? And uh, hopefully uh, it will continue to grow. And one day I will get my Discord to stop uh, crashing. Um, as you can see, there was one certain uh, Canadian game player that was missing from our most of our our show. But hey, I was there at the beginning. We're not going to call him out on that. Sure, you are. <laughs> I was at a football game. I'm sorry. What kind of football? CFL. Compact flash fluorescent. Canadian Football League. Oh, so the regular kind of football where you run with it. Oh, where you, you where where you use your feet with the ball in your hand. Yes, yes, you don't you don't use your feet on the ball. See, I was at the other kind of football the night before. Ah, the Whitecaps. They have to do something when the ponds melt. See, we we play the real uh, gridiron football up here, where you only have three downs to get the ten yards. <laughs> well, that's because they're also polite, and they're like, "Oh, by all means, you only have a few more yards. Please go ahead, take those extra few yards." <laughs> here in the, in the U.S., we're like, "No, no, no! You you want that extra two yards? You got to earn it." <laughs> well, not anymore. If you fair catch anywhere, pretty much on the field, you can yeah. stay there. And there, we also don't have the fair anyway. catch rule, which is hilarious to watch. Uh, new American players when they come up to play and they try to do the fair catch, and they just get bam. But it's only a sixty-foot playing field, so well, actually, our, only our, get thrown. Our our our, <laughs> our field is ten yards longer than yours. I don't know what a fair and, catch is, but I'm not sure I want to know. Is that in order to put the big nets on either side? <laughs> <laughs> but um, does the cubic game actually switch um, into P mode um, three color during the game, not just the explosion, but the now, game Nick, itself? Nick, why would you want to talk about the game in? In progress here. Oh. <laughs> Talking football. Okay. Stay, um, stay on topic. Yeah. Actually, uh, no, it stays. I don't think it goes into P mode three until unless you die. Yeah. So it's always a, a artifact colors game. Yeah. Yeah. It's a shame because it looked um it looked pretty good uh, in the when it was flashing in the explosion. Yeah, it looks game, actually it looks... pretty good as it is. I mean, it's fairly yeah. close oh, to the original it arcade would give game. More variety, I thought. But anyway, that's yeah, one of the games that would look better in P mode three. After you've d died once, it just seems to change, and it's much harder to do. I, I did notice on later levels, like when you have to change the squares twice, that sometimes this was very difficult. When Curtis got up to. I'm I'm not I don't remember if it was like round five or six, maybe even seven. It looked like the entire screen was done, but the level wasn't ending. And evidently a couple of the things hadn't been changed, but you couldn't tell because the the color and the the pattern wasn't uh wasn't uh, differentiated, so they all looked the same. 
Yeah, I'll switch to monochrome for a minute. Yeah. So that that seems to be the only real issue with the game other than the interesting controls. That lightning mode thing, it looks pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if anyone noticed, but this had some unusual and very interesting controls. Did anyone else notice that? What did well, you do? You got to have your uh, joystick in uh, in position before you hit the fire button, or you're jumping off the back. Yeah, you have to put the joystick in position that you want to go, and then hit the fire button to go. Mm -hmm. Which I thought was interesting. Looks like this is going. Well, to not really. If you're if you're using a Black Beauty, then um, it just making sure that you don't accidentally move by not centering the joystick properly. Yeah, but when things get a little uh, tense, like you've got Coily coming after you, that gets to be a then you die a pain in the bits. Yeah, and then you get annoyed and you kick the big bit bucket. And then you're in real deep fights. You know, you put another hole in the wall with the joystick. Right. I got another one. This um, one's bent. You got a good drywall guy, huh? <laughs> no. <laughs> I've just got a lot of posters on the walls. <laughs> 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 The red flamingo ones. <laughs> yeah, my living room wall used to have uh, six posters on it. If you if you move if you remove <laughs> one of them, there was a nice uh, phone shaped uh, hole in the wall. Well, look at Rick; he's up to seventeen geese. So, All right. Well, so anything else you wanted but, to say, Sloopy, about? Yeah, we need to play better games. <laughs> I got a question about that logo there, M MRP or whatever it is. MR MRP, yeah, micro. Why, why is it shifted? That's it, the uh, it's that's broken. because of the hacking. Yeah, evidently the hack that did the uh, crack on the uh, copper protection messed it up. And so, if you look at um, uh, Qubit. It actually looks proper. So yeah. which that's why also, oh. yeah, which also brings up the subject that uh, Curtis said to make sure to mention. Um <clears throat> there is no original copies of Newbert around. So if someone has an original um issue of Newbert, please contact uh Except that I don't think there is an original because Newbert yeah, is a cracked version of Cubit. I don't think there is an original. We think it's a cube, the, the Cubit was the original and then Newbert. We're waiting to hear back from uh, Mike to get a final determination. But if you do have an original Newbert disc, we would be interested. Either contact uh, um, Curtis at Earl Curtis, uh, Earl Curtis Boyle, uh, whatever his email address is, or one of the Game On challenge staff please is there money involved or just uh you could um get a hold of curtis on discord as well 
Yes. Uh, there's no money involved, but uh, we can guarantee that you'll get status and be well known, and we will give you a sacrificial virgin. Gee. Hmm. I'm going to get right on it. He didn't say what species yet. No. Nope. <laughs> we haven't told you uh, what species or sex, Ron. So. Yeah. Just, just don't poke holes in our bad jokes. <laughs> I guess it's better than staring at the wall, huh? Boy, we're really on the lamb tonight. <laughs> I see what you did there. Come on, Mark. Get us out here. Are you kidding me? Oh, boy. Now, if you oh, my God. Oh. No, if you play no. this game on a cocoa pie and you got that little symbol flashing, you might want to cool off your machine because of the little lightning yeah. streaks there. And uh, don't submit a uh, fixed copy of uh, the crack and try to pull the wool over our eyes. <laughs> oh, fix the title oh, screen. And, say, yeah. and uh, I think enough bad puns. Now good puns. Yes, we're just waiting for the good ones. Okay, so that is uh, the Game on Challenge. Uh, when is the Game on Challenge happening, Sloopy, the live version? When can people join us? Where can they join us? Uh, the same place that they can always join us. On Thursdays, Eastern Standard Time within the U.S. at 8 p.m. So it's different in Canada? Yes, it is. It's like four hours uh, uh, later or earlier, three hours. Even, early. even the East Coast uh, time zone in Canada is different than your guys's. I didn't know that. I don't know. Yeah, actually, the e <laughs> easternmost uh, time zone in Canada is one hour before Eastern U.S. time. Well, isn't money cheaper here? Actually, too? it's an hour and a half because Newfoundland has their own half hour time. There you go. <laughs> this week on Coco Trivia. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's those weird Canadians. They can't do anything right. I mean, hey, we're not the only ones that have half hour time zones. Hey, at least you have time zones. Imagine right. being in China where it's just all one time zone. <laughs> I guess Ron can. What? I guess you can feel superior because no DST. So, yeah. A <laughs> little better. But. All right. Uh, I think we're going to send it back to you. And what's next week's game? Ooh, next week's game. Well, let me tell you. Just as I mean, soon I've as I close this down. For two weeks for this. Okay. Some, ver some version of Neutroid. So. <laughs> I'm filling oh, in. Oh, now that you brought it up. I'm filling in. <laughs> <laughs> again, we are playing Newbert again, or Qubit, whichever you feel like. Uh, <laughs> playing it on but we're also going to play just because i decided i'm i'm uh um going to choose something i don't think a lot of people have played does anybody know it's what this game is it is a version of bosconian <coughs> 
And this is another one of those uh, Inafuto games. So it can be played on any of the color computers, or it can also be played on the MC-10. And that game is... I don't know how to say it exactly, but Ruptus. Ruptus. So it's a Bosconian-style game. And uh, yeah, so... It can be played on the MC-10, Color Computer 1, 2, or 3. And they are available in the archive. Oh. So, scores from all of them are uh, okay, but if you're playing the MC-10 version, just uh, make sure that you uh, list it as the MC-10 version when you uh, do the, uh, when you submit the score, because then we can keep track of the uh, Two different um, score tables, one for the Coco and one for the MC-10. Can I also play it on my uh, Model 1? <laughs> Can you play it on the Model 1? Is there a version? Oh, I think so. That's why I'm asking. I, I have no idea. I mean, it's one of those games that's available on like 90 different... Uh, You're not prepared? I can't tell you exactly what all. Would you like me to give you a list of everything that it's available on? I didn't memorize. It's available <laughs> on the VIC-20, the Commodore 64, the ColecoVision, um, the Ooh, I'm Color that. Computer 1, 2, 3, the MC-10, uh, the Atari 8-bit. Uh, Ooh, I'll play it on the Atom and then the Atari 8-bit. And, then... and a whole crap load of Japanese computers, which I can't remember the names of at this point. Um, MSX computers. Um, wouldn't but it fit, we're only it, accepting scores from the Coco 1, 2, 3, or MC-10. Wouldn't it fit better with the monochrome night that we're going to have? <laughs> I have no idea. Well, that's that for that. Yay! Okay. I don't know what else to say, but um, shall we pass it over to me with the news? Yeah, you want to do a commercial break first to refill your uh, coffee? Yeah. Good idea. Continue. Go for a deep breath. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Rick Adams, author of Temple of Rom and Shanghai, and I, like you, am a citizen of the Coco Nation. This is not the Joey Serial Switch. This is the Joey Serial Switch. Control up to three serial devices. Order yours today at cocoman.biz. The music is back. Retro. 
for many a year, peace has reigned throughout the realm. In the forest, nothing but ruins of an ancient fortress remain to fuel the myth of the evil wizard. Tales of your ancestors' quest are met with laughter. Mockery follows your warnings. But you know what awaits. News correspondents, Can Waters. Keeping it in Canada. That's right. Oh, I right. Mine thought out and I forgot what it was, but time <laughs> intro ended. Oh, I guess I'm very forgettable. Okay. Uh, let me just get a couple things ready here, which I should have done. Okay, there, we'll start with the regular news, since I have that first up here. Oop, just a second, I gotta, ah, gotta change something. Forgive me, this is my first time doing this. Uh, What's the frequency, Kenneth? Need more tabs. (laughs) Yes, Curtis sent me a lot of tabs. Okay, so first up, we have TRS-80 Retro Programming on YouTube, who did a video on his game that we have been following, Tales of Suburbia. Now, he has done a a new color set for the title screen and some other changes that he has talked about here that he has implemented and is planning on implementing. So uh, he's done some stuff like uh, sped up the game a bit here. So you can see if if you remember from when we were watching this before, um, he's been using the P-Copy format and uh, has everything working a little bit faster. Looks like a lot of bit faster. Yep. Because it was like a second or two between each frame before. Now the guy's kind of actually hoofing it across the screen. getting this optimized pretty good here. So um, yeah, don't know what else to say about that, but uh, he's uh, definitely putting in a lot of work here. So making good progress. 
making good progress. And if you're uh, not following it, you should be watching this, especially if you're interested in any of the old uh, basic programming styles here that he's using. And he also released another video um, exploring the line input command. So this is one of the old uh, things I think that uh, many of us did very early on in getting our first basic computers is, yeah, using the input to be able to get the computer to learn your name or whatever, as long as you don't turn the computer off and change the uh, variable. <laughs> so... I haven't really actually, uh, so he, he goes through and does a couple different uh, ways of doing it, adding the input to the end of your uh, um, single line. And then figures out how to actually make it so that it's adding everything to the end of the line that you've printed. So yeah, he just, as he does in many of his uh, videos here, he just uh, progresses through it. Really shows well of his um, process of uh, figuring things out and learning how to do stuff. So um, if you're fairly new to stuff, then it's a great way to follow along. And he often has a lot of the same questions that many other people in similar situations would have, and he really shows out his thought process of figuring it out. So it's an interesting uh, little series of videos to follow. Kind of like a video version of Alan Huffman's basic blog on Subetha. Yeah. Right. Okay, next we have Coco Town. And he has put up a video about setting up for programming in assembly language using modern tools and using the time travel debugging, um, which is the MAME debugger rewind feature, which lets you go backwards within limits and also into using trace files. And I'm just reading that from what Curtis wrote because this is well over my head of knowing what's going on here. So... F11, that's rewind step. So if I do control F, oops, watch this thing. It goes up, 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 up. And as I do it, take a look at my screen. So it keeps track of the whole state of the world, including all of the memory. And so it knows that as I go back in time, this changes. And then I can go forward again. I can step forward with F10. And it fills it back up again, and the registers update each other, which is very cool. Uh, if you've ever debugged and it took a really long time to get to the point of the problem, but then you step like one step too late, and you were like, oh my gosh, I have to start over again. Uh, time travel debugging is such a godsend because you just step back. So if you step forward too much, you just step back. And you're so there you go. If uh, that's something that you uh, didn't really know about, or uh, if you're into using the MAME debugger, um, yeah, that would be an interesting feature to be using. 
for all the programmers out there. Yeah, it lets you figure out how you get into trouble, not just that you're already in trouble and this mm -hmm. is what the explosion <laughs> looks like. Nailed it. Now, uh, Coco Town has also released another video about using the updated DriveWire 4 for newer Java distributions and on a real Coco. So if you're interested in the DriveWire 4 server, this is a good video to watch to see how to get it running. Um, with the uh, newer Java and with your Coco computer. And remember, folks, Java is just this easy. <laughs> it's super intuitive this way. Now, Pedro <laughs> did a really good job um, figuring out how to modernize and update the pieces that needed to be so that it could run um, at all under some of the newer versions of Java. So it's kind of nice to see new life coming back into that side of the, the DriveWire project because it really is one of the killer apps for, for the Cocoa side of the, uh, of the world. All right, so that's the DriveWire and Cocoa Town also released one more video. So third and final video in the news from him is um, he is starting a series on working with floating point calls in basic from assembly language programs. So. Um, don't know really, again, this is a little above my head on, uh, programming. So. Well, it's a super nice trick because the, the basic ROM is kind of like a whole library full of stuff. But the one wrinkle from the assembly side is that BASIC is intended to do all of its computations in floating point rather than integers. And so you have to go through some shenanigans to convert data back and forth yourself or get data into the right format before you call a routine in the basic library that will then convert it for you. And so, yeah, a tutorial to, to help with that kind of interfacing will give you know, the starting assembly language programmer much more access to code that's already built into the machine to take advantage of. So it's a good trick to know. I ran across this with the uh, Commodore 64, their version of BASIC, which uh, has integer support and floating point. But uh, there's an assembly language book by Abacus that went through a whole 40-something page chapter of exactly this to try to explain the format of the data and how to interface to it. So having a video version of that is, uh, is you know, really pretty helpful. Is that the book you're talking about, The Color Basic Unraveled 2? No, the one I'm talking about is uh, uh, for the Commodore 64. Oh, okay. So he does make reference in this video here to this Color Basic Unraveled 2. Yeah, they do talk about it in there as well, but there's not as many examples. Okay. There's not like the working through step-by-step -step of converting back and forth. It's um, Advanced Machine Language for the C64 by Abacus Press uh, has like more than you could ever want to know about it and uh, is available out there in, in various PDF formats 
from various Commodore places. But the the basic in the in the Coco is fundamentally derived from the same source that the basic in the Commodore 64 started from. And so there are some commonalities, and this is one of them. Okay. Yeah, what he said. <laughs> yeah, now, for example, the oh, Easter egg, the Microsoft Easter egg that um, yeah. Bill Gates put in for the Commodore is also in the Coco ROM. Okay. So our next story is from Elizabeth Hayes, who is also known as Princess Lizzie on Discord. And has also been to Coco Fest at Neil Blanchard's booth in the past. Neil Blanchard of the Coco Crew. She has released a video of her adventures upgrading her yellowed uh, Coco 2 to a pink Coco 2. So, definitely a video worth a watch. Um. And of course, my videos here's, are. Here's an ad for Canadian commercial. Tire. And the uh, pink cocoa that she comes up with came out really well. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, pretty sweet. Mm, now I'm hungry. <laughs> Two, one. There we go. So here she's uh, spray painting it. And so definitely worth a watch to uh, watch her. Customize this uh, computer. And she even does some joysticks for it. I must say, this probably plays Donut Dilemma much better than our machines do. Sparkles. So that is a, <laughs> it's a pretty neat uh, little thing. So definitely uh, worth a watch. Yeah, it came out well. That, that Coco yeah. has a lot of its own personality just sitting there, doesn't it? Absolutely, especially when she kept the original color on parts of it and added sparkles, and yeah. I, what I find uh, impressive is that she's a female. Oh, <laughs> With the cocoa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My daughter saw this video, and my Coco 2 now may be in danger of having something similar happen to it. <laughs> <laughs> A nice sparkly pink cocoa. You know, she could probably do the keys because uh, they have uh, rub-on letters after you get it all done. And you can put it right back on again. No, they don't. They're shot through keys. We have great key caps. Oh, the there cocoa. you go. But, uh, yeah, she did the bezel. That's good. Yeah. That's all you need. And our next story comes from Alan Huffman's latest blog post, which is a trip down memory lane for Alan about his very first commercial program. The Huffman K-1 librarian originally sold in 1989 via Rulliford Research. So it's a nice blog posting about that. So I'm, any of you are... Uh, Familiar with this out there? It's uh, a good blog post to go through. Bring back memories for people that use this too. Yeah, Alan also wrote the example code that's in the um, in the manual for that MIDI pack, mm -hmm. and um, 
the, the, this program gives you some ideas of some of the stuff that you can do to adapt um, your cocoa to be able to control different MIDI machines. So patch librarians are kind of um, a staple for when you do a lot of different MIDI work across different pieces of gear and you want to try to take advantage of the specific features of that specific piece of gear rather than use it in a generic manner. So it's kind of cool that he kind of goes through what it took to, to get this going. So uh, definitely um, another good uh, blog post to go through. Um, okay, so our next one is the latest episode of the Coco Crew podcast is out. Number 96. They are closing in on the Mighty 100. Yeah, and this features a discussion of whether or not non-factory upgrades should be do um, documented or marketed to avoid historical fraud. And I'll talk about that in a second. And there's also reviews by Neil of the Pi Key 10 for the MC10. Are now, you, the, wait a minute. Are you saying that people could get the idea that the 6309 came in the uh well that's what they that's what they talk about. It's it is actually interesting because there's people that are buying these computers that don't know a lot about them. Now having like a lot of people don't know that the Coco 3 only came with 128k on in it. Any any time a 512k is in there, it's an upgrade. It's not original. And a 6309 is not original. So they kind of talk about whether you should have to put something on the computers so that you're not trying to sell it as an original computer. It has been um, upgraded. Well, I mean, are you talking about where it's like mandatory because of some sort of law or enforcement, or is this a caveat emptor? Because I personally prefer to know what the content is. I, yeah, I no, no, they're they're too realistic labeling. They're they're saying what like people are saying what the content is, but um, not saying like it's a a sixty eight oh nine five twelve color computer three, and you know somebody that's not that familiar with it may think oh well that's worth more because it's the the from the factory the uh, really high end one that came from the factory. Well, no, it never came from the factory. Somebody opened it up and did those uh, right substitute for doing your homework. That's in true. Fact, I mean, that is the other side of it. Uh, I mean, all I mean, the all oh, right, five twelve. I was going to say all of the five twelve Tandy upgrades I have all have AIX numbers. So, yeah, that's the or you know somebody sort of, that puts in a two that, meg upgrade that, from Cloud Nine right now. Or so well, the the most Tandiest five twelve K upgrade is not a stock Tandy part number. Right. It's an AIX. Mm -hmm. Experimental, well, you know. Whatever. Here's part of the problem too, I guess, is that a lot of the people that are turning and flipping these machines didn't have them back in the day. They don't know anything about them, and exactly should generally be ignorance. I mean, yeah, it would be great to know that something's been opened and modified, and you know, because I mean, sometimes you get these machines and they've got just rats' nests of horrible bodge wires in them, and you know, somebody. Dug mm -hmm. holes in the board with a soldering iron, trying to do their own processor upgrade or something, and and yeah, that's just horrible. But I mean, it's, you know, some people just don't even know. It's like, oh yeah, I got this machine. It 
kind of looked it up on the net for a few minutes and threw it on eBay. And there it is. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, that's, you know, is it something that should be like, even one thing that they suggest is putting a sticker on the inside saying that it, when, when it was upgraded, what it was upgraded with or. But you're yeah. right. I mean, there is no substitute for uh, doing your homework. I mean, if you honestly or think just that ask a, questions until yeah. you can get photos. I mean, if they say, well, mm-hmm. the warranty sticker is still intact. Really? I mean, so what? But you could buy you could buy warranty stickers to and just stick yeah. it on there, right? It comes down to what does it cost, you know? Yeah, are you buying a like collector's are people, item? Are people inflating it trying to say that this was an original computer that's not been worked on, even though it is has parts in it that never and came in the original? They could be computer. doing that out of ignorance, or they could be doing that out of malice. But yeah, I mean, how do you enforce that? I mean, you know that eBay is a flea market. And it really comes down to you're going to talk to the person that's selling it or not. And you're going to know what the thing it is you're buying is or not. The other thing that comes into that is, are there really even a lot of uh, original computers from back in the day that have not been in some way changed, even if it's just changing the caps or doing whatever, those are all, well, um, and it only matters if you're upgrades, buying a collector piece. Yeah. Exactly. And if you're not buying a collector piece and you want a runner, I don't care why it runs. Does it run and what are the specs? That's well, I mean, it's, it's like classic cars. Okay. You know, um, I, I particularly know the Mopar line. Okay. And I know that in, in 68 uh, numbers matching mattered because from then on they had, uh, you know, serial numbers on the, car and on different parts of the body but 67 and younger they didn't do that so a lot of time when cars go for sale uh, at like uh, auction places kind of like when we have computers on ebay uh, these cars will go up on you know and be shown and and they have parts on them that are obvious upgrades are different you know a certain engine may not come in a certain model and it's the same with the processor and the computer so, you know, if I went on eBay and was looking for, uh, dare I say it, Commodore 64 or Apple or something, I would ha- I have no clue on the history of those machines. And if I bought one with a lot of memory on it, where did it come from? Did it come that way from the factory? Wouldn't know. But really, I think everybody has to do their um, homework to know what, what it is they're buying. I mean, the same with a new car. When you buy a new car, you, you have to know what you're buying. You know, um, and then, you know, not be upset because you didn't get a particular thing because you bought it, you know, and now you have it and now you have to either upgrade it or you have to, uh, you know, be happy with what you have. <laughs> I mean, you could also think about the extreme of this. Like, I mean, we're just talking about aftermarket parts, but what about somebody that gets a computer and then um, they've changed all the caps in it? but did it improperly. I mean, that's still an upgrade that was done wrong. And, you know, you may be buying it thinking, well, it's an original 128 K Coco three with a 6809 in it, but uh, they put all the caps in backwards. So that is dead. (laughs) Sort of grading process where, you know, I mean, I know they do this with, uh, other kinds of vintage and collectible type things is that you, you take, 
get somewhere and get it certified to a certain level or something. <laughs> well, yeah, up another whole is... can of wings or another whole can of worms about uh, grading places that uh, are just complete ripoffs. Right. But if the money keeps going up, give up, me enough money and I'll grade your computer really high. Well, we do have uh, the archive and the archive has information about our machines right as to how yeah. they came about and uh that would be a good source and, and soon enough soon enough old computers won't be cool anymore and we'll be back to practical prices for working machines and and i mean in this discussion they do raise some interesting facts but i i have to agree that in the end the onus is really on the buyer to know what they're buying if you're a collector and you're buying it as a collectible, you, you should, should open know the bonnet. Yeah, open the yeah. bonnet and see what's inside before yeah. you pay money. You know, that's it. Ask questions. If you're going to buy something and you're not sure about it, ask questions. Get pictures. So, I mean, if the person's refusing to send you any extra pictures of it or yeah, warning signs, anything like that, <laughs> definite right. warning sign. So, or really nice pictures when they're normal. Stuff is not really nice. You don't want those pre-cooked videos. Or if yeah. they only if they only accept payment in Apple gift cards. <laughs> <laughs> and also, one thing I do know that um, if you're dealing in stuff like this and you get them to send you extra pictures, save those pictures yourself. Because um, if you get the product and it looks nothing like the pictures they sent you, then uh, especially on something like All eBay... Right. And then you go back to eBay, and the pictures on eBay look like what they sent you, not like yeah. the ones that you saw. <laughs> exactly. So that I actually do do that. I I take screenshots of things that I buy on eBay. If if they're, I mean, I don't do it for like ten dollar piece bits, but you know, if I'm spending two hundred dollars on something, I take screenshots of what I'm buying, so they can't go and change it and say later, oh no no no, this is exactly what you bought. One time I bought a, a older. Um... Model One Coco and opened it up and had Paul um, Barton look in there, and I said, "What are those wires there? They don't look, you know, normal or whatever." And he goes, "I think it's a botched way to uh, upgrade to a uh, co composite or composite. I don't know what to say now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to say. I don't, help me. So, the, um, so now uh, he looks at it and he goes, "Yeah, yeah. Um, you want you want to take it out?" And I go, "No, it's it doesn't do anything in it." doesn't hamper the video and he, he showed me the wire that was cut off because that's probably where the uh, coax you know ended where you would plug it in so i just left it because it didn't hurt anything but it did look weird with a little had a little uh, daughter board thing or whatever you call well, it's it it's complicated by the fact that tandy would throw bodge wires and stuff and send it out the door ah. it was just their way mm -hmm. <laughs> you know we, we ain't also, making a new one of the things with the color computer, because it was such a hobbyist's computer, you almost got to expect that anything you buy at some point in its life has been opened up and altered in some way or the other, if right. the which is a lot steel. more common than the pristine original computers in the Tandy world, especially. If you're buying a Coco and the warranty seal is not on there, then you can expect maybe it's been modified. Right. And if it is, it needs to have that little shrink around the glue mark around the outside of it where it's been there for a while. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, collectors really get weird on things. I I tried to sell the collectors. It's hard. <laughs> anyway. All right. Well, so that's a good little discussion topic anyway. So is this pretty much what they were talking about? Yeah, basically. I mean, they 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 basically talked about how they think that there should be they're giving mm-hmm. examples on why there should be you're not tr- fooling people accidentally or on purpose to try to inflate the price is more what they were uh, covering there but right. let's be honest the coco 3 should be a couple hundred bucks yeah which yeah. they're not and <laughs> so if we're talking about shoulds we can stop there yeah <laughs> depends anyway. on the value it, I mean, it gains value over time, you know, like an old car, you know, an old Chrysler. Should only be a couple hundred bucks. It's so old. But some of those are worth a lot more than what they were when they were when they were new because they're collectible. Well, that's right, the thing. Now, buying a second-hand Coco 3 up. is the same price as they were when they were brand new back in the day or even yep, more. Or more. So which is a good sign for the value of the computer. I mean, if uh, it was just a piece of crap and say, here, you can have this for 10 bucks, it's so old and rubbish. But at least, you know, the value is held in, in sometimes the past. People aren't buying them at that price to be computers. <laughs> They're buying them at that price to be a cool thing. Yeah. And then what happens to it when it moves on from there is... I yeah, think, that's, unfortunately, that's, it's it's pricing out the people that really want the computers as opposed to the people that are investing in the computers. Right, right, right. It's, it's like the people that I cannot stand that buy these, like, games and they put them on their shelf. And, like, this this game was from this era and it's in this nice little case and it's staying there because games should not be played. They should only be looked at. <laughs> Uh, I I think there's something missing there that's not the original reason for making games. Exactly. Anyway, so uh, yeah, that was the Coco Crew podcast number 96. Uh, Definitely has some stuff in there to listen to if you're in the Coco world. Next up, we have Mike Hall uploaded the Radio Shack service manual for the CCR81 cassette recorder to the Coco Face Group. It is also uploaded to the Internet Archive. And um, as Curtis says, and I agree, uh, he's hoping that the um, it will eventually be uploaded to the Color Computer Archive because uh, especially since the nice. Internet Archive is... Uh, running into all kinds of problems now and might at some time be shut down. So what, you know, I'm kind of glad this came out because I want to put a fan in mine and a 6309. (laughs) Into your CCR 81 cassette recorder. (laughs) At least we'll know where the, we know where the belts go. Yeah. Yeah. That's the nice thing. Actually, I got to, fix my CCR 81 so I'm going to well, have to look at this. It already has holes for the for the fan right on the back there. <laughs> the uh you mean the, the speaker? Yeah. Is it the CCR 82 that's that 
more compact one. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that one's a good one. I like the little one. That one's hard, though. It's got a really complicated switch in the center of its design that goes mm -hmm. out. And if you can't deox it and make it work again, it's dead, and that's that. It's like an old walkie-talkie where there was like an 18-way switch that the push-to-talk button worked to change all the entire circuitry around from transmitter to receiver. That old, that tiny cassette recorder has that, so it only has half the circuitry that it flips back and forth. And when they die, they're dead. I've tried so hard to fix some of them. The, the 82, the little bitty square one, it was yeah. so cute. But this is good. There you this go. The bell goes. <laughs> so commit this page to memory if you're ever trying to change the belts in your CCR 81. <laughs> okay. Um, but I have one question. Okay. Um, it's hard to see. <laughs> it's hard to see? Yeah. Need a better monitor, man. I, I've got a 24-inch. Well, um, just open it in another window and Oh, what's in. the link? Yeah, th there's the very complicated link up there. All you got to do is type that in quickly. Uh, or you just go to the show notes and uh, click the link from there. there. Okay. Or give it to somebody else to do. Or you go to the Internet Archive and you can uh, upload it yourself. Uh, may I go on a tangent? Or, okay. All right. On a more more serious note, and specifically, um, what uh, you didn't don't we uh, stream at the show at ten eighty? Yes. Oh, it's blocking now. No, it's um, it's streaming at seven twenty. That's why restream's mad. We've got something misset somewhere. All right. Well, we can't. We you can't fix it in the middle of stream. Well, no, but that's why Restream's mad if we're going at 720 and we're yeah. normally 1080 is correct. Yeah. But, yeah, I went okay. to uh, to go up the uh, resolution at, to, to 1080, and uh, it's like the source is 720, and someone said something to me about it, so I wanted to check. Is that part of the production issues we were having before the show started? Uh, be. Possibly part of it. Okay. That, that would make Restream Studio mad. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm outputting a 1280 by 720, which is what it's been. If you're outputting a 1280 by 720, then we are outputting at 720p, not 1080. Okay, we'll have to look at that. Mm. But that's next week. Kind of, kind of well, been that way for the last uh, 100 right. episodes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, cool. Okay. Well, then uh, some, something else got mad. The um, yeah, because the. Uh, the shows I think I did were, were full 1080, but I'm just asking uh, because it's like when you're looking at stuff like this, it's kind of hard to read to just like glance at and read and look at. Well, that's why you're supposed to just get the taste for it and then uh, go actually <laughs> download yeah, well, this from I, Facebook yourself or, or from the Internet Archive. I, yes. Well, I'm trying I thought to, our bandwidth. I'm full, I I'm thought sorry. our bandwidth was down. Yeah. I was trying to get the full Sorry. taste of it, of the full uh, name brand flavor, but you're giving me the uh, Save a Lot or Jewel Tea or or all the <laughs> version of it, and <laughs> that makes it kind of hard to savor. Hey, I'm cheap. What can I say? <laughs> you're just getting a taste. <laughs> if you want to buy the whole cow 
You guys licking your screen or something? <laughs> Maybe that's it. Yeah. Oh, we're not supposed to? That's what those little <laughs> bubbles are on there. <laughs> I thought that, that's how you kept it clean. Where was, where was the cat wrong? <laughs> Next week is the scratch and sniff edition of the show. <laughs> Oh, wait. Oh, um, moving on. Yeah, moving on. Yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah, we still got more news to get through. Come on. I, I, I noticed. I noticed the resolution issue, and someone said something to me about it. So I want to just just ask, especially when we have something like this, where it's like a lot of a lot of, uh, of right. text and and graphics that kind of like blur together. So well, plus because... my old computer, my computer's old and crappy, so it's not all that clear to start with. No, it's not. It's just Canadian. Ah, there you go. So it's eighty percent less of resolution. The, the my my chipmunk is uh, slowing down on the wheel to keep <laughs> things going. So that's it. We're 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 doing Canadian high definition. There you go. My eyes are still VGA resolution, <laughs> and we prefer to call it in Canada Muso Vision. <laughs> Muso Vision. Well, it flows like maple syrup, so I'll give it to you that. <laughs> All right, moving on, as we earlier had a discussion, um, Ron Klein has posted major upgrades for the Cocoa Pie project um, about a major project, eh, major project updates coming, a 64-bit version. And um, uh, so Curtis is saying from reading Ron's post, he's not sure how well this will work with the Pi 3, but... It should actually improve performance on the Pi 4 and the Pi 400. So you can go to the go to the CocoPie.com to uh, read about the 64-bit version that is coming and in the works. So is there anything from the earlier discussion that anybody wanted to add about this? There's going to be a lot of three Bs on for sale. <laughs> well, the world is moving on. If the 64, if the Pi 4 ever becomes massively available, everybody's going to buy one. But I heard somebody say that uh, PCs will never do 128. Is that true? Don't believe anything like that you ever hear. <laughs> I believe that, uh, wasn't it? Was it uh, Bill Gates who said who could use any more? Anybody yeah, who could use, use more than 64? 64K? And now they say Moore's Law is dead, but they'll find a new law. <laughs> yeah. They made up the first one, right? Right, and it held for 30, 40 years. So. Yeah. The guy just passed away, too, I think, that did it. Yep. Not so, that long ago. Time to start over. Right, need a new law. Yep. It's probably going to be an inverse thing where the faster you go, the slower it goes. And strange but true, I bought a Pi 4, and it was sitting in my box to work on, and I forgot all about it through the great Pi crisis. I could have bought a Cocoa 3 for this thing. <laughs> but, uh, yep. Now I guess I'm going to have to install uh, the Cocoa Pi project on it as originally yep. intended. Yeah, 64-bit Pi project. There you go. Get playing with it. Let us know how it is. Right, I got to buy another <laughs> HDMI monitor to tape it to the back of, and I also <laughs> had to buy this funky cable because Pi Four folks 
you ain't got a cable that fits it. You're going to have to buy an adapter from mini, penny, tiny HDMI to HDMI. Yeah. Along with the pie. So, you know, put another C note in your wallet. <laughs> you guys are talking about new laws. Don't we have the uh, Alan Murphy law? Oh, uh, that's an old law, but it always applies. And for those of them that don't know, what is the Alan Murphy law? If it can break it, well. If there are two ways to do a thing and one will lead you to disaster, inevitably that thing will happen. That was uh, Captain Edwin A. Allen uh, Murphy of the U.S. Air Force somewhere back in the early 20th century who came up with that little truism. And That's right. In I my remember. case, it's more of a lifestyle than a law. <laughs> he, he was on that choice. <laughs> he was on a Titanic. Could have been. <laughs> yes. Captain All right. Murphy. So, moving on. Then, our next story comes from Michael Furman, who has released part four of his. Uh, Flex video log series on YouTube. This one features a reconstruction that uh, Michael did to show the original 5.0 version of Flex by Frank Hogg with no high-res screen driver and also the much rarer Spectral Associates Flex Plus 2.0. These are very cool videos. Um, if you haven't really looked at this is a, it's an alternative operating system for the Cocos that uh, has quite a bit of support out there. It just seems to have gotten overshadowed quite a bit by OS 9. And uh, I'd always been curious about it. And this video series has, I mean, he's just packed it full of all kinds of timeline and historical context and, and as well as I mean, one of the videos in the series, he's hacking on one of the utilities and just showing you how you would have used Flex as your daily driver at the time. So it's really pretty cool way to to get into that if you haven't ever seen what that particular part of the Cocoa world was like. There, there weren't very many applications that came out of it, were there? I mean, you don't see... A, there were a lot more than you would expect. Well, you, you don't see a Coco Max or anything graphical from it, do you? They weren't in the Coco world. They were in the Flex world. So if you weren't in the Flex world, you didn't see any of those applications. Right. Oh. And yeah, it's kind, and of a, flex, kind of a hidden thing. What kind of Flex is that? <laughs> well, <laughs> Flex kind of. <laughs> flex kind of. Flex. <laughs> <laughs> But there was no graphic user interfaces back in the day of uh, when Flex came out. This is like pre-80. Right. The, one of the ones he shows in the video, it shows that the copyright is 79, even right. though on the version that's booting on the Coco. So... <laughs> Yeah. I mean, remember back then, home computers all had ROMs and they were all different. And so here's something that wasn't that way that would run on your home computer. It wasn't all different. You could run the same thing as other people could run. Yeah, but it's been fascinating so far. I hope he keeps going. 
So would this program ever be put on a ROM so it would boot up? No, not that I know of. Because it's an operating system, right? It's right, a, but I think that defeats the point. The point is a, that this is not stuck on a machine in a ROM and can't be changed. It's a disk operating system. Right. It's the whole point. It's, it's only applicable if you decide yeah. for it to be. It's not a, a ROM basic you're, or anything. It's a yeah, disk you aren't, operating You aren't system. married to this. You, you can run it if you want and run Flex programs, or you can run Cocoa Deck B. So the first choice, if you will. Because we couldn't run CPM, but we could run Flex. But there was a- Flex is essentially was like a, uh, a, a CPM for the 6.8 series. But there was a-, a, a there was a CPM though, wasn't there for? Yeah, if you plug oh, in a Z80 uh, card, yeah, yeah, right. back to yeah, a, but a that's for a Z80. Again. But if you just want to group up with a bunch of other people and run the same programs, Flex would do that for you without having to put in extra hardware. Yada yada. Well, chances are somebody's not going to buy a Coco and have the software come with it that says Flex on it, and they're going to say, "Wow, look what I got." <laughs> it can run all kinds of programs. That's why this is cool, though, because not everyone can can or knows why. Right. Okay, well, moving on from Mikey's blog, we go to Brian Walsh, who builds a Cocoa 2 from scratch. Um. This is uh, Pedro Pena's uh, board, also known as Rocky Hill on YouTube. This is his Coco 2 board, and uh, the parts that he used to um, build this are ordered from Jamico and Digikey. So, so this is a reproduction again. Of yeah, this is this is Pedro Pena's reproduction Coco 2 board. So, right. Was it, is it going to stay white or is it? Yeah. Yeah. This, he, he, this, white? this, this one is printed on white. I'm, I mean, assuming wherever you get it printed, that you could get it in just about any color you want. Mm-hmm. You can do right. red, blue, green, white, black. Right. In the old days, any color but green was a substantial upcharge. And now, no, pick a color. We got like 16 of them. Pick one. This okay. all came with the RGB lighting, so you can. I'll, I'll bet they don't have a silver one. <laughs> no, but they have—they they have solid colors, so you can put your RGB lighting over your whiteboard and get a really modern computer, if you will. They need a translucent one, and you put it all <laughs> in a translucent uh, cocoa case. Watch the traces glowing in the lights. Everything's yeah, see through. <laughs> And uh, you'll probably uh, you'll notice uh, in the description down here that uh, Brian also mentions that no hair was set on fire during the making of the or filming of the video. So I think that was for Curtis. Yeah, I'll stay. 
Yeah. It looks so like if you're interested in these boards, this is uh, part one of his uh, video getting it uh, built. So definitely worth a watch. If you're cool. looking to build your own Coco 2 at some point. So he's not going to have a assembled board for sale either. Probably in the future. No, this is a hobby project. For yeah, through. this is uh, Rocky Hill was just uh, recreated the board. So it's just uh, buy the board and buy the parts and build it yourself. So just now, like I the, he, uh, I wonder if he does. Does he do anything about the salt chip? Because that, that there's the pepper, right? the pepper board. Yeah, he that you can sells one. <laughs> yeah, he sells the pepper board, which is, is a replacement, same? direct replacement for the salt chip. Okay. Let's run off a of DC. The pepper board does all the analog conversion and the. Uh, zero point crossover detection and all kinds of every analog thing that the cocoa needs done so that the past transistor can make the five volts and it can do everything else yeah i put a cocoa two in my truck using a um 12 volt you know two points you can find on your motherboard and make it work but uh i couldn't understand why the um you know the serial port wouldn't work it didn't yeah, need that, it needs the the ac yeah it needs extra voltage besides yeah. just straight five volts to make the serial port work that's so the salt normally sniffs off the transformer and makes all the fancy stuff but you can just put five volts into the board and it will mainly run but you don't get a cassette and a couple other things yeah, without any other updates, you get no RF output and no sound. There's a capacitor you jumper across to get your sound back. We don't care now because we got a pepper board. Exactly. <laughs> Even with the pepper board, you have to jumper the capacitor, though. Hmm. Well, let's say you had a Coco 2 board. You'd have to have the same one that he's mimicking, right? In order to take the um, salt chip out and put it on your board, or wouldn't he um, have the provision for the older chip to go on it? That's the point. Other than the salt chip and ROMs, I think you can get every other part, can't you? For as, far a as I know, I think you can. So. Sure. The 40-pin edge connector with grounding gears is a little rare. It's a little weird, but you can get one without and just kind of... Take so yeah. Scott Cooper is Looks asking good. whether the pepper board is 100% compatible. Claims to be. I haven't heard anyone not... Same here. Uh, I have one minor issue that I'm... I think might be attributable to the pepper board, and that's just a very slight... Uh, video glitching it only happens on jumping joey or i think that's probably hmm. just nick's programming <laughs> it doesn't do it on other computers it only does it on the boards with the pepper board in it hmm. some some analog thing and it and it even, it does it on rgb and it does it on rf output did, did you push that, the game? <laughs> did you push that bug on to Pedro? No, I haven't really mentioned Cause, it. Because he might not know. And 
Yeah. Might have a solution. Maybe. Because I, I do see play. the little Atmel looking thing on there. So. Yeah. He'll have to dedicate some time to playing Jumping Joey then. So, yeah, maybe. <laughs> there you go. It's a win. Put it on the game on. <laughs> Okay, so moving on to the next story. Uh, Emerson Costa has created a playlist on his YouTube channel of various programs, mostly games, some demos, to show a variety of graphics done using the VDG chip, the 6847, that is in the Cocos, Dragons, MC-10s, and also in the Acorn Atom VTAC Laser 200 and 300, APF MP1000 video game console and a few others listed on the side here. So there's like a, he put together about a hundred videos here of uh, different systems and everything else showing off the uh, VDG chip. So do you know what's to watch here? <laughs> did did any other manufacturer other than the color computer use the T1 chip? Hmm. I don't mm -hmm. think so because there were so few T1s available that uh, some of the production test ones that start with X something or another were also shipped in machines as well. So Tandy bought them all. <laughs> I think so. And they were toward the end of the life of the Coco 2, right? Correct. But but wasn't that emulated in the 3? Or no? Yes. Oh, and apparently I didn't let it load long enough. There's actually 343 videos here. Mm. So we aren't done yet. Huh? Wow. You could watch this playlist for a very, very long time. <laughs> What's uh, interesting, I don't know if it's the APF or it's uh, the NEC. Um, it actually uses a 6847 and it actually uh, either mixes modes on the same screen, gets more colors. I don't know if any of those videos would show any of those the games. NEC, the NEC does a, a, what would basically be Simigraphic 6. So you get... Um, square pixels four by three ratio right and yep. uh, all the colors and then the apf uses the 60 uh, the imagination machine the apf m1000 uses the 6847 in a very different way than pretty much yeah. any other machine it, it uses it as a tile engine so you That's can right. build these uh, i think it's 128 different tile graphics and Stick them in there and then build your game out of the tiles. And it's all in, driven by the 6847. Very, and the Imagination Machine is the earlier processor than the Coco. It's a, it's a Motorola 6800, not a 6809. So it's more like programming an MC10 than anything else. But uh, yeah, that, that, Imagination Machine one, the way it uses the VDG is a lot different. Very interesting. And uh, I've poked around on it a little bit. Uh, I am definitely not good at getting it to draw pictures, though. So, so is that a faster way to do it or just a different oh, way? Uh, it is just the way they wired it. 
and the the reason they did it that way was because of the um the size of the cartridges they were going to have available and the cost that they were um already facing with having the 6800 and 6847 there so tiling it let them save a lot of ram in other places in their console so yeah that makes sense it's uh the the technical manual for the imagination machine is out there if you want to dig into how it all works it's um i i would be very curious to see if somebody could get something like that going on any of the other 6847 machines somehow I mean, other than just you know smashing bits into memory directly. So some of these machines didn't always have the sixty-eight, uh, the um, sixty-eight oh nine. Some some were the Z eighty and correct. Yeah, the NEC, for example, is a Z eighty processor with uh, and the, some of the MSXs are like that. Uh, the Acorn Atom, I think, was a sixty-five oh two, off the top of my head. Yeah, I think you're right. And uh, yeah, so yeah, the, mm. the processors could be different. The the this guy's unifying theme here for his videos is that they're all the VDG chip. So it's that say that that very specific Coco Dragon look for things. Ooh, what was that uh, website called? The uh, that YouTube video called? This it's a it's a list. It's a playlist on um, Emerson Costa's uh, YouTube channel. Okay. Yeah, so the, the link will be in the... Yeah, uh, the link's in the show notes. Right. So if you want to go through all 343 videos, I did notice a few uh, classics in there, like Dino Wars is in there. Well, the, the really funny part, though, is how much of that it looks just like Jim Gary's website. Because his... Um, his type in mania page. He's got a page that shows all the different graphics games in this big array. <laughs> well, he has uh, most of the MC 10 stuff that he's added in here is all stuff from Jim Gary. So, so these are not all his videos. There's videos he's found over the um, internet and added to one big playlist. So you could uh, go through and see it all. A very nice collection. Now, so the, oh. was the uh, was the sixty eight forty seven also used in uh, you know the games that you can go to a you know game room and play back in the day arcade arcade, arcade machines? machines yeah I don't mm. know of any arcade machines that use the sixty eight forty seven no I don't think so but yet we emulate to it from other ones well a lot of home computers use the 6847 in the motorola world but video games threw all their money into their video so they didn't mess with that little bit <laughs> okay now moving on to some mc10 news uh brandon donahue uh put up the instructions for upgrading the MC10's internal RAM to eight kilobytes with, uh, without causing the noise on this display. Uh, this allows the MC10's VDG to properly use the two highest resolutions, 128 by 192 by four and 256 by 192 by two, P mode three and P mode four, for those familiar with the Cocos. 
This article is an accumulation of previous articles and corrections from Dennis Bathory Kitts from his original Color Computer Magazine article. Darren Atkinson and Geronimus Vanden and Brendan himself. himself. So, uh, yeah, this actually brings back memories for me of the first uh, Color Computer video that I released on my channel. little self-promotion here was uh, looking at my MC-10 and the 8-kilobyte um, upgrade that was in it and uh, the fact that it was causing all the noise in the uh, upper um, section of the memory. So whenever I tried to load in any machine language games, they just uh, it was just a scrambled screen. So when somebody had put me on the right um, path there, which was actually... Uh, this uh, USP or U5P pin 15 to U5P pin 8 or other ground was the problem that my computer had. So it wasn't grounded properly. Cool. The link is on that page, isn't it? <laughs> to your video complaining about the noise. That's cool. Is it? Yeah. Scroll oh, up. I... Scroll up. Ah, there we go. There, there you are. Hey, Keyboard I series. you know, I read this over like twice and I completely missed it. <laughs> My video is uh, in there. Okay. So now you know even how to get to it. Yeah, even more self-promotion. You can link to my video right there, which is actually the whole reason that Curtis uh, got me to even come on this show. <laughs> and now you are the show. <laughs> right? <laughs> Canadians are taking over. Notice your shirts have been ramping up the last few weeks. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's summery. I'm putting next more week, summery shirts an explosion. on. Explosion. Right. Yeah. Next next week, if he sees the results of this week, uh Curtis will probably have a shirt not unlike his on. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, next week I just got to take the. I'm taking the week off next week. So, oh. Actually, uh -huh. I'm I'm on the road next Saturday, so I'm actually not even going to be here. So, you're he heading for the cabin, Headed? aren't you? I'm heading for the cabin. So the next time you see wow. me, I will have a uh, log cabin back. Nice. Drop. That's worth the trip. All right, so the next MC10 article is Robert Sieg posted a screenshot of a tall, very thin font he has made using the unfinished external character set on the MC10. Uh, Curtis says he's not sure what is meant by that, but the same characters have been used by Jim Gary at times when uh, he makes SG6 64 by 48 games. So, if you look at the screen at eight degrees, you can actually read it. <laughs> so this if this deep. were on a screen that wasn't proportioned normally, it would be a really nice font, right? Is that the yeah, idea? Yeah, if you if you could stretch the screen, it would be uh yeah. As it is right now, it's a fairly hard to read font. <laughs> Looks more like a barcode than a font. So that is in the Facebook. And then we have one more Facebook uh, here. 
Carlos Camacho's or Camacho posted a uh, scans from PCW Magazine, Personal Computer World Magazine, a UK publication reviewing the MC10. Um, and the MC10. Oh, he posted it to the MC10 group on Facebook. There we go. So this is the article, which is actually a fairly long article. Goes into a looks like a lot of detail. It looks like they had some respect for the machine back then. Yeah, he even talks about the TP10 printer. So, yeah, if you uh, want to read uh, something about the MC10 from, uh, I guess, an older magazine, then, uh, yeah, go to the Facebook page and read this one. Now, next, we jump over to Dragon 3464 uh, stuff, which I can't access because I'm still waiting for my request to join the Facebook group. So. But I will tell you what this is supposed to be. This is supposed to be Julian Brown posted another update on his reproduction dragon motherboard, where he's currently doing fairly major changes, moving the video circuitry to a separate plug-in daughter board, which could be NTSC or PEL, and thus freeing up a fair bit of main motherboard for other things. Um, which like includes a, a, a lot of suggestions in the comments, but... Yeah. Yes, that was one of the suggestions, both on the Discord and the Facebook, was, oh, you got space for a real-time clock. Yeah, we weren't going <laughs> to let that go by. Nope. Um, the picture of the board, uh, it's now like half of the board is empty, flat ground plane once you took the video uh, uh, gear off of it. So, yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see how he reorganizes it. Time to get your saber saw out and cut all that out of there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and the second part of this article, which unfortunately also is also unblocked from seeing. <laughs> Come on, uh, dragon people. I, why don't you accept my request? <laughs> um, he's also trying to compress the Pell, Pell video daughter board, but thinks he has it as shrunk down as it can get wait this is appropriate this is the uh sorry 315 yeah. version of the show anyway so <laughs> by the way sorry but i'm not a member of the dragon uh, owners users group yet so i can't show you these articles that we're talking about i'm sorry very good accepted accepted but i can show you the next dragon article which is by uh oh, come on there we go this is by David Mitchell. He posted another type-in graphics demo, this time from the March 1984 Dragon User Magazine. So I guess you could uh, fire this up on your dragon and just kind of chill out to watching some looks, interesting looks graphics. Like Looks like a couple of curtains going over an Italian restaurant table. <laughs> <laughs> so in the chat, uh, Julian Brown mentions that he shared that uh, repo board on the Coco Facebook page. Oh, well, I missed that. Well, Curtis never sent me a link, so I blame Curtis. 
The canned link is broken. We all blame Curtis. Yeah. All right, so uh, that is the end of the regular news. I don't know if we want to take a break before jumping into the game on news, which is a lot shorter, by the way. Uh, we can if you want to. It's up to you guys. Uh, let's see, which commercial number are we up to today? Uh, okay, here we go. Hello, this is Mark Siegel, product manager for the Color Computer product line and designer of the Tandy Color Computer 3. And I'm proud to be a citizen of the Coco Nation. Shall we play a game? Making games for the Coco for over 35 years. Go to my Coco Games website at www.nickmarentes.com for information and pricing of my later games as well as downloads of many of my older games. Coco 2's got personality, lots of practicality, fun, it's sensational, learn, it's educational. Coco 2's expandable, so easily commendable. It's programmable, so term exam grammable. Just you and Coco 2 do what you want to do. Coco 2, the color computer with personality from Radio Shack. Sale price for Christmas giving from $149.95. Radio Shack's Coco 2, do what you want to do. Just you and Coco 2. That had that little uh, tape player in there. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> How appropriate. <laughs> Good timing. All right. Well, let's just jump into the. There's only a couple of game on uh, or gaming news stories, so we'll jump right into those.
So, uh, Chris Schneider on the Atari Age Forum, Tandy Computers, posted screenshots and a download link for an Infocom-style adventure game called Locked Room. So, if you're a fan of uh, um, these kind of... Uh, text adventures. Yeah, text adventures. That's the word I'm looking for. Thank you, Nick. Then, uh, yeah, you can uh, follow the link in the show notes and download this to uh, try out. It's a, nice, a new uh, 2023, as you can see, copyright text adventure for that you can play on your Coco computer. And the next one, we have uh, a YouTube video here from Davey Mitchell posted a type-in Dragon game, this time Shoot, originally by Duncan Rowland in Dragon User Magazine, September 1984. As he's done lately, David has tweaked the code a bit. Yeah, I suggested to Brian Weasler that he might want to try making that into a light gun game. That would be interesting. You could shoot him. Might have Dude, to shrink Brian down Weasler. the guys to shoot, though, because it'd uh, be pretty easy shooting somebody that takes up just about the entire screen. Well, it doesn't matter. You get to pick a hit spot, a hitbox somewhere on him. Ah. So, yeah, it could be good. And the beauty is you don't have to show the player the hitbox. <laughs> you just got to yeah. know what to shoot. <laughs> like right between the eyes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, next we have a video from Vintage Geek. Um, this is uh, the person who very graciously hosted and interviewed both uh, myself and Curtis, just after Coco Fest, um, he did a video about Disney-related games. Um, Aaron starts with two of the early Sierra Disney, Disney educational games, Mickey's Space Adventure and Donald Duck's Playground, uh, which he uses the Coco 1-2 version to demonstrate. He also plays the CGA PC version of Matterhorn Screamer by High Tech Expressions, and also their version of Chippendale's Rescue Rangers. So yeah, this guy's got uh, sixty eight oh nine in his blood. <laughs> he likes our computer. Yeah, well, um, if you've seen the interview that he did with me and uh, Curtis, he talks about how the Coco was his first computer, so yeah. his first love. Now he's got his. Uh, well, and here's an ad. An ad. Anybody? <laughs> anybody want to buy a car? Powerful, so, 6309. Um, yeah, so now uh, if you're ever down in the uh, Knoxville area, is it Knoxville? Yeah. No, that's not right. Where the heck is his museum? <laughs> oh, I traveled so many places, I can't remember. Aren't you now. near Memphis? One yeah, it's near Memphis. Um, the other side of uh, Tennessee there. Yeah, maybe it was Knoxville. Anyways, watch watch my video and his video. You'll know where his museum is. And uh, <laughs> if you're ever in the area, 
then you can go visit it because it's uh, definitely worth it. He's got some interesting stuff in there and some rare stuff and stuff that uh, is so rare that I've never even heard of it before. I like the Zenith. The, art, the artifact uh, colors in these uh, Disney games are uh, pretty well done. It's got yellows and oranges and... Yep, they got done. seven colors. They've, yeah, yeah, they've done very well with the artifacting. Or the dithering of the artifacting, anyway. So, um, yeah, definitely uh, he's got some Coco stuff on his channel, as well as a lot of other stuff, so definitely worth checking out. and. Uh, Giving a watch to. All right. And the last one for today is a gaming channel by LR um, on YouTube has released some new Dragon 3264 long play game videos uh, featuring Jet Boot Colin, which is a game I do not know. Uh, he did two videos, level one and level four gameplay. So that's these two right here. And then down in this corner here, he did Speed Racer. So. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know Jet Boot Colin. We've played Speed Racer on, I think, on the uh, gaming cha challenge before. But I had not heard of Jet Boot Colin. So I can't say anything about it. It's green. Yep. That's right. <laughs> a Dragon 3264 game, so it's got that, it's got that nice soothing green that uh, all of our uh, style of computers have that are going to help with your mood and help calm you, <laughs> relax you. Right, not blue like the aggressive one. Yeah, that's why <laughs> that's why Tandy users are and uh, Dragon users are so much more chill than other uh, or, or mellow gaming yellow. Groups. I thought it would be green with envy. They're green with envy. <laughs> we got green. We got the green. All right. Oh, um, that is the news for today. For this week. And now so we start again, one hour. Um, if you want to see any of this stuff, check the show notes in the Discord channel. And there are links to everything. Thanks, Ken. Indeed. All three of you. And we didn't run that short. Nope. Art's already off the printer. All um, right. Check that out. So so it was a full show, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> now when I take off, I don't leave a printer printing unattended. So how do you get that off the plate? It pops off with a putty knife thing. You just kind of... You got to bend the plate in half, you know. Oh yeah, that would be a really good trick since it's tempered glass. It would probably um, <laughs> make a nice explosive thing. You could just smash it every just, time you're yeah. finished printing something. Just smash it. Tip it on the edge, and it would probably explode because tempered glass is that way. Just drop Pretty it. Funny. I worked at a glass plant when I was a teenager, and you could take the big crate of tempered glass patio door frame and hit it with a crowbar, and nothing would happen. But then you'd be carrying it to put it on the glass washer and the tip would tink the floor and it would 
And all of a sudden, you aren't hearing anything more. Oh, geez. <laughs> turn back into sand. <laughs> well, little, little pebbles like this big, yeah. you know, like a car side window does. Yeah. That's exactly what happened. And just last night, my wife, my wife dropped the uh, top of her uh, pot, you know, onto the floor and it shattered like that. Right. All little tiny circles of glass. To, to carry on further, modern cars that have the wind, the frameless doors where the glass just goes up into the air. If you watch, when they open the door, they roll the window down a little bit. Because in the 70s, they didn't do that. And in hot weather, the glass would be too tight. You close the door, the window would shatter. Oh, jeez. Which was, I did it in a 73 Monte Carlo. Well, I can understand that. And that was excessive because now you've got all this shattered glass balls in your driver's seat. You got to drive home, bucket seat full of. <laughs> oh, well, that's not very cocoa, is it? Hey, there we go. We got a good, a good compliment from Scott Cooper. He didn't even nap during the news. Wow. Well, this is the sorry show, episode 315, remember? <laughs> We're all sorry. Sorry you missed your nap, Scott. Sorry. So what's next on the show? Uh, closing credits. I'm sorry. Well, actually, we have to close the I'm show. I'm just wondering, because it's so early, um, has anyone got any uh, discussion topic? Maybe we could do a discussion topic. Maybe someone on the um, on the, uh, on the the list can suggest something. We can just start talking about it. Like we can talk about David Ladd's hair. Oh, hang on. That'll be a short topic. Um, well, that's funny. About, I see what you did there. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we did talk about the um, um, the host discussion on the Coco Crew show. Mm-hmm. Does anybody else have anything to add about that? Because hmm. we we still got a bit of time, we could just rattle on about. Maybe Ron can come up with something. Maybe or, something, or we could go head to the pool. Hey, I do like idea. the idea of like a random topic section every week, though. We should, yeah, like work that in stuff. somehow. Just yeah. kind of come on, come on audience, give us a random topic. Well, that's usually what we do after introductions, but we couldn't even come up with that this time. No, sort of. So, beards <laughs> pontificate about what? Well, listen, I, I the other day I was thinking about how the color computer two and three smells. Like when you have it on a while, do you notice that it kind of smells a little metallically or, you know? Probably means you need to change your caps. <laughs> <laughs> it smells like every place it's ever been. <laughs> yeah. I, I do have a rule about caps, though. If you're, if you're asking a question about hardware and someone comes back with you need to change the caps, go on and block them and move on. Thing, Ouch. Huh? <laughs> that hurts. Uh, they read well no, if someone uh, the first and only thing they say is you need to recap it, they have no clue. That's because they lived through the nineties or what? Well no, because every YouTube video ever says you need to recap it. Well and yeah, there, but, there well, are a couple of specific situations where this is always true. And outside if you of have that, a, if it, you have an Apple computer built in like about '88 to uh, well the '90s, the, anything in the '90s, right. there was a big capacitor scam, fake, fake recton capacitors, whatever the name was. Um, then you have the old tube circuits where 
a one volt audio signal was impressed on a 400 volt AC line. So all the caps were 600 volt caps at a time when they couldn't make capacitors very good. And you got to replace all of those. Outside of those two, you know, the 90s fake caps and the tube caps, there's very little that needs to be replaced unless it physically bulges or. Oh, I like it when my cocoa let, lets a little of the cap fluid out. I know it's just, you know, uh, yeah, right? spread, however, spreading it out. However, it, it, the crusty brown stuff is just the hot glue they used to stick yeah. capacitors yeah. on the board. So that's, that's different a, than cap fluid. You that's see that pattern. a lot. Uh, actually, I've seen that a lot in a lot of videos where people are like, oh, it's got all this gunk around it. And it's like, eh, that's the hot glue that they, yeah, put there. So that the Some of that hot glue can look pretty cruddy. Yeah. Former hot glue, we should say. <laughs> yeah, it's just dried out crust. Well aged, well aged hot glue. Mm. Mature, yes, like us, mature. Another subject would be what did they use on the metal boxes that um, either stand up or lay down that after a while they turn to a weird color? You know, uh, they oxidize or something. They used a lack of expense. They used the lack of expense is what they That used. weird color is called rust. Yes, yeah, so they yeah. weren't properly plated. They were just kind of cheese flashed, and that blew away. It's actually not that hard to re-nickel plate them. Well, wouldn't it be easier just to kind of buff them Well, out? it's not important other than look. It's not important unless you have a showpiece. Right, yeah. Electrically, it doesn't matter. That's why they didn't worry that much. It's seven-year computer and just a flash of you know, whiff of nickel on the top. <laughs> and also, by the way, on your discussion, it has been brought up in the uh, um, in the uh, oh, comments there about yeah. reefa caps. <laughs> I don't care. Um, reefa caps are just evil. always they the first thing. If it's if it's a if you've got reefa caps change them because uh i will always right. say that that's always my first thing when it comes to a reef cap change it they put, right. ex they put extra smoke in those yeah yes it's very hard to get the smoke back into them after they let it out <laughs> when, you, when you call them a reefer cap is that reefer <laughs> that's not marijuana is it that's um, reefer yeah, <laughs> uh, that's the brand, is it? The brand of the capacitor. Yeah. No, it's a type of capacitor. It's a type of capacitor. It's, it is a type of capacitor, all right. It's, it's an AC protect-you-all thing that dies. I thought it might have been a brand. The and the problem brand. with them is that the plastic on the outside of them cracks, and then it they explode. Let's moisture in. And let's right. moisture they, they in. They turn into de little detonators. Is yep. what they turn into. They explode and they spew crap all over the inside of your computer, and um, I mean, they the smell if they were very there for, bad. They were there for safety. Coco never had any. Nope. Right? No, we didn't uh, need those. <laughs> we didn't need no stinking reefer caps. Just don't drop yeah. any nickels in the slots. Apple II power uh, bricks are very generally switch mode exploding constantly with the reefer caps. Yeah. The model, uh, the Aztec power supplies in the model, uh, you know, threes and fours. Threes and fours, yeah. Presentable. Uh, I, have, also, I have a video of mine. There was smoking. also one um, uh, on the output side of those power supplies. There was always one cap that always burst and went bad. And we were changing those back in the, uh, you know, back mm -hmm. in the 80s. We were changing those things, those caps. 
Is it true that uh, your computer can still run after that pops? Sometimes, yeah. Yeah, depending on what it detonated. Yeah, my, yeah. mine didn't. Yeah. yeah, some do. Well, it might. It potentially could blow it, the fuses or I mean, something like that. But if it could, fails to open, then no harm done. It will still run. You just don't have any AC protection, which is what a lot of people do. They just remove the dang thing. But if it fails shorted, then you have a fire. And is the smoke really blue? Good question. Want to pop one? Well, I, I, have, I have some <laughs> video of my Model 3 going up. It's is it bluish. Blue yeah, it's a bluish-white smoke. Bluish oh, okay. There's a tinge no, of There was a video on uh, Amigos. Uh, Aaron there, he uh, had his Apple IIgs out, and it popped in the middle of the stream. Hmm. Nice little smoke show there. That was, oh, I don't know, a year ago? Year and a half ago? <laughs> Somebody's going to make a compilation of those. And it takes you know. a while to air out your room afterwards. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it is strong. And it smells kind of like oil? rotten fish. Is Yeah, rotten fish, that's it. Is there actually oil in the capacitor? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Fish oil. <laughs> that's, probably that's probably yeah, yeah, the electrolyte. Like so you can't just put WD forty back in there and turn it on. Turn it and back it's, up. it's a real pain in the butt to try to scrub it off the board after it explodes. So I suppose after four explodes, it's not tiny bits of tin foil; it's atomized tin that is exploded out of the cap and lands wherever it lands. And yeah, good luck with cleaning that up. Because it yeah. just got turned from metal into vapor and <laughs> sent out everywhere. Yeah, I remember when I uh, when I first bought uh, I got an Amiga four thousand, which I bought from someone who it was a bit faulty when I bought it, uh, and it always smelled of fish. Whenever I turned it on, it smelled of fish for a couple of years. Finally, that fish smell is gone. So, yeah, it must be fish oil that was – it must have had a blown capacitor at some point and it stunk the power supply every time you turn the computer on. The fan had come on and it would just be blowing fish smell in the whole room. <laughs> yep. That's so <laughs> and now it's, pick up. And now it's dried out and uh, it's dried it stays out dried out and doesn't collapse and short itself yeah, out. Yeah, Life it's is all good. right now. And then someday the there will be – there will be Dead different fish. smoke. So here's the yeah. discussion uh, topic. What's what's better, the smell of a blown reefer cap or the smell of Curtis soldering? Toss up. Burnt hair is pretty <laughs> That rough. delicious burnt hair smell. Well, let's put it this way. Um, Curtis soldering is only a one-time event, <laughs> whereas the caps keep coming back over and over again. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> what they'll run well, out of hair like me, and then it's not a problem anymore. <laughs> well, you're so in a modern, different place. When you replace the capacitors that that those reefer ca capacitors, what do the the replacement or modern capacitors have in them? They don't use oil, do they? Or yeah, it's, well, it's the same technology, but I don't know. Do you even replace? Does anyone bother to replace them? It's a AC better plastic on the outside of them. Well, it depends. Of them? I mean, there are some. Places that you do have to replace them. So, probably use a mylar cap. 
Well, yeah. it's like it's like in uh, in tube says they had the death cap that ensured that if your ground wasn't pure, you know, it, it was a keep you alive thing. And the problem with it was when it shorted, it would put 110 volts on the chassis. All right, ground and all of the knobs that were attached to it and so forth. That would wake you up. But the modern the modern yeah. versions are a lot better built. I mean, yeah, they're going to last a lot longer. That's what they and said. That's generally the only computers that use a uh, a high voltage uh, switch mode power supply, isn't it? Like not 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 the transformers like that we have in the Coco. Well, the. Pr- the switch mode supplies, everything's internal to it. So if it blows up, who cares? You put a new switch mode supply in. But right. the thing is, the old linear supplies, the only AC yeah. protection you had was the little reefer cap thing. Right. Keep from, and I don't, I wish I'd read it. I wish I'd known before the show came on, I'd read up about it because I've forgotten what I know. But I do remember <laughs> You really need one, but you can do without it if you just want to make your old computer work. And it's all a plastic box anyway, so if she blows, she blows. Was it keeping no. uh, uh, electrical noise from going back out of the power supply? Yeah, there was some phase inversion malarkey. No, and suppress the switching noise? And uh, something else. I Like I say, I, re- I remember there are three points, and I don't remember any. Of the three at this point, um, that RAM problem again. I need a upgrade. <laughs> I think uh, somebody told me a long time ago that sometimes in electronic, um, you know, like stereos or whatever, that um, in order for them to be manufactured, sometimes they would add circuits that didn't really do a whole lot, but uh, but they were trying to. Um, <laughs> add more value and 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 sell right. certain uh, electronic like parts. Happy and nine yeah, transistor, yeah. no, nine transistor radio. Yeah, when only four of them actually did anything. The others really? were soldered it in. So it was it was technically a nine transistor radio. They were soldered in there, but the law didn't say they had to actually work. It just had oh, to be there. No, it's usually the really? FCC happy. <laughs> right. So a five transistor radio became a nine transistor radio because the nice ones all worked. And your circuit wasn't, but hey, four four crap transistors, or you know, they don't even have to work; they just have to be there. Yeah, so we used to have discussions about what solid state meant back in the day right. when it first came out, because you know it was chips, right? Compared to well, especially when they were saying solid state TV, and it very obviously had this giant tube. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so yeah, yeah what does it mean? Only one. <laughs> well, right, but hey, that's one. Well, now now we do have solid-state TVs, right. 100%. <laughs> well, no, now actually you can't buy a TV, at least you can't in the U.S. No. It's all smart TVs. It's all a computer with the TV yeah. interface on it. Wait a minute. Mm-hmm. What are What's liquid crystal display? Well, it's, mm-hmm. it's still solid-state. No, uh, but but liquid. you can't buy. Well, yeah, it's solid state, but it's liquid. The well, it's liquid. <laughs> it's it's it's, it's, it's solid. It's liquid in phase transition. Yeah, but it's it's oh, don't don't blow your smoke at me with all those big words. <laughs> <laughs> but they it's used liquid. to have 
For a long time, LCDs had fluorescent tubes in them, so they weren't solid state until yeah. they actually went with LED backlights. So, yeah, you could argue that we have finally gotten to actual solid state now that we've gotten rid of the fluorescent backlight tubes and the big yeah. CRT. And... Interesting. How'd we get here? <laughs> <laughs> Reefa caps. Reefa caps. That explains it too much Reefa. No, it was the smell of your Kogel, remember? Yeah. Smell of Reefa. Yeah. No, there you go. An impromptu discussion. Right. Okay, I missed it all. Can we uh, repeat, please? I mean, at the beginning okay. of the show, it was uh, on uh, 3D printing. Now right. it's on reefer caps. What's the big switch down by the brake pedal? It's high beams. <laughs> right? <laughs> they don't have those anymore. No, starter. That was your starter. All these that was under the clutch. Yeah. All these people talking about uh, how uh, manual transmissions are millennial anti-theft devices. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Uh, it's in and. <laughs> Three of my four kids know how to drive a stick. My wife and I both do. Yeah. My car is a stick. Funny really, my car is a car. Stick right. should, should say manual because um, uh, sticks are on automatics too sometimes. Well, my right, car. But then again, I have a paddle shifter, so I have a manual automatic. Yeah. It will hang in first gear until the yeah, valves fall out. My, my <laughs> cars are too small. I can't see what stick they got. They're under the bed. <laughs> so, you know, I hit my paddles. It's a manual, but it's really an automatic with a quick lock torque converter thing. So what's it like but, three in the tree or four in the floor? But this is six in the paddles. So it's a black <laughs> beauty between the two seats. Actually, my car's <laughs> only got one gear. So yeah, my electric? Hmm? electric. No, it's a hybrid, but it's got a variable. Oh, CVT. transmission. Yeah. Fun. That the, are, the are... flywheel grows as you go faster. When I was a, kid i rode a dirt bike a rectron or something that had a cvt in it and it was so strange you would hit the gas it would rev up to about three grand and then it would sit at three grand as you went faster and faster and faster, and faster. yep <laughs> just like a scooter it was scary as hell because i'm on a dirt bike going through a motocross course and the motor's not changing speeds it just <laughs> I, I have no idea how fast I'm going. <laughs> yeah, I remember the first CVT I saw. It was like on a little uh, uh, four-wheeler, but it was like in cage. It was like a side-by-side, -side, but it was like a single person. And this is probably about 82, 83. And it had an open CVT. And I'm like, what's that? And he goes, oh, that's the transmission. It doesn't have gears. It just changes the uh, changes the size of the pulleys to go faster. And I was like, interesting. Isn't that what 10-speed bikes had? No, they just had a bunch of gears. No, they had a... <laughs> yeah, you changed gears on a 10-speed. Yeah, you, you jump yeah. jump but chain it, to another sprocket. Yeah, but it's the same chain. It didn't, it... Well, yeah, but yeah, it's but on it, 10 different sprockets or five different sprockets and two but different if you think sprockets. But if, if you think about the way that the... Um... CBT goes... Well, 
Yeah. Yeah, it's just two yeah. conical pulleys that come together and pull apart. The 6809 is a CVT. Constant velocity. Transmission. <laughs> it's Constant it's always five volts. Yeah. You know, does it ever slow down? It doesn't ever slow down, does it? The only way you make the processor work slower is you don't feed oh, right. it. Right. You tune it off. Yeah, it goes into a sleep mode if you don't do if you're not feeding it any information. So that slows it down. So when you turn the computer on, it's always busy putting up that cursor, right? Right, right. Yeah. And unlike a modern computer where it gets hot, it will um, underclock or overclock. No, we run at the speed we run. That's Constant that. velocity. We have the need for <laughs> speed. <laughs> <laughs> we have the need for I guess you're right, yeah, flat line speed. So if it's like 1.89 megahertz at all times, regardless of what you're asking it to do, and you just have to gear up and down to make that 1.89 megahertz yeah. work. Now, so sometimes it's, the sister in a loop waiting for you. Now, you know how um, you could use different power supplies to power different things, and, and it'll still work even though it's like not 5 volts. It may be 6 or 7 or 4 or 3, but not maybe so much if it's lower. Um, is it the same with... Uh, a processor or whatever, if, even if you fed it more than five volts, it would still go at the same clock well, speed. Well, that's, that's where your CVT actually fits in because a modern processor, you can raise the voltage to different places and run it harder, and then you get more frequency because the voltage is higher and it will switch faster. So but it will then go it up. gets hot and you have to slow it down because you've been pushing it too hard. Is that so what overclocking is? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, so you, so you, you have to really sixty-eight oh nine. No, it runs where it runs. You can run it faster, but you aren't really overclocking it. It'll just burn up <laughs> unless you oh. figure out some way to do something. It's not technically overclocking. That's just running into a wall with a gas it'll start, on it. It'll start forgetting what it's doing. Does. <laughs> it'll start forgetting. Go lay down, dog. What? Yeah, that's dog. Sloopy, you you uh, timed that perfectly. You looked over and said that, and then a cat ran through Mark's screen. Right. It's yeah. like <laughs> his his cat's named Dog. So how do these uh, arcade machines run at five megahertz with the sixty eight oh nine? The six oh nine can run at five megahertz. Right. They have the part stick eight yeah. on top, and there's different uh, speed grades of different yeah, parts. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the 68C09 can be run faster than the 68B09 can be run faster than the 6809. So, so why is it we don't have a faster one in our machine? Because, because everything else, everything else is stuck to our clock speed. Yeah, you can't just put a faster CPU. You need faster. You put PIA. a faster CPU, right. and you'd have to okay. change everything. Okay, so the guy making a, a new motherboard, why can't he do it there, right? He's making he everything did. new. Well, then the video is locked to the frequency of the video output is locked to the computer's clock speed oh. on a Coco 2. So you would have to double it just to sync up again. Yeah, going back in history, though, um, Mark Siegel did speed up everything. That was the basis of the design of the Coco 3. What the oh, right. that it could run it? 
Yeah. Right. So it runs at one eight nine all the time. Because the rest of the parts were upgraded to the higher speed parts to keep up with the processor running at the higher speed, which the original Coco wasn't able to do. Because it didn't have a gimme. Well, because so, it didn't. Well, because it didn't have the parts. It didn't right? have Sorry. the speed rated parts. Yeah, the parts are actually in the Coco three are actually rated for a full two megahertz, whereas they're only rated for one megahertz in the Coco one and two. All right, so why not just get higher rated parts, put them into two, and you're uh, all set? Four cylinder, eight cylinder, four cylinder. And on the line. Back in eighty two, that may not have been available. Yeah, and you also still have the issue of the video uh, of the uh, the whole video set. So it's all the ancillary parts that are still. Yes, the the video is driven by a lot of things. And in the Coco 3, the clock is twice as fast as well. Instead of a 14 megahertz part, it's a 28 megahertz part to get divided down. So, you know, basically the the Coco is a double speed Coco 3 compared to the regular speed Coco 1 and 2. So it has a faster clock, has faster support chips, and runs the processor at full speed. Because it's exactly twice as fast, the video divides back down and it works. But now you would have to go twice as fast again to make a Coco 4, if you will. Is that why my brain runs at 0.895? So (laughs) if you say it twice, I get it. Okay. (laughs) You just put it on the bus twice. Make sure it's safe. That's why I say things twice, because I forget. Double cheese cheeseburger, please. I always go on the back of the bus. Oh. All right. Well, well I'll be we done with this. Time the, to uh, put a fork in it. Push the, the three-hour mark. We can shut down now. All right. Should yeah. all say I'm sorry together. <laughs> we still have 45 <laughs> sorry. Mark. sorry. Yeah, but we still have to show the credit and credit or end yep. uh, credits. So we'll go. This concludes another episode of the Coco Nation, the world's leading live interactive talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. For all things the Coco Nation. Visit us on the web at thecoconation.com. We'd love to hear from you. Send feedback, suggestions, even segments via email to show at thecoconation.com. The Coco Nation show would not exist without the community and its cast and crew. The Coco Nation theme song copyright 2022 D. Bruce Moore. Mixed, mastered, and produced by D. Bruce Moore. The Coco Nation is over. Join us on the Coco Discord server. Coco forever. I was thinking of changing my name to W. Ron Delvo. So I'd be like <laughs> Del Curtis Boyle and everybody else that has. Names. There we go. So it would be what? What? Ron Delvo? It would be W. Ron Delvo. What? Ron Delvo? Then I can be yeah, W for his watt. <laughs> yeah. Three watts. <laughs> then, then I can or be Y. Not quite five watts. <laughs> I can be X Sloopy Malibu. So, ah. That just doesn't roll like Sloopy X Malibu. Oh. Sorry. Okay. Let's let's say goodbye. We're a minute over. Time to say goodbye. Yeah. We're sorry. Everybody. Bye. Bye. We were five minutes late anyway today. So there we go. That's all right. good. Bye. Bye. Bye.